there are two things in this world that I love more than anything. One is making movies, making films, telling stories. You guys know this. I love that. And the other is barbecue. <laughs> and either of those two things is probably going to kill me. You know, I'm either going to keel over on set, which would be great. You know, craft services table, just sort of blip, go down there. Or you'll probably fall in front of a smoker at some point. Uh, because I love both of these things. And I feel like the art of being a filmmaker and the art of being a chef are parallel. I feel like it's the same thing. You've heard me say it on the show before. Uh, you know, it's all about crafting an experience for your audience. It's all about crafting an emotional journey, whether you're using sight and sound or you're using your taste buds and smell. Uh, they both do the same thing. And so today's episode is a blending of these two worlds. If I haven't done so already, we're further mixing up the stew of barbecue, cooking, and filmmaking. Uh, very excited for today's guest. Uh, it's been a while, um, and it's been a while in the making this episode, trying to get him on the show, and we finally got it lined up. I am joined today by cinematographer Justin Carey. Now, Justin shoots one of my favorite YouTube barbecue uh, channels. Uh, all things barbecue, the sauce with uh, Chef Tom Jackson. Now, if you're listening to this episode and you haven't heard our episode with Tom, go back and listen. I think it's episode 81 uh, with uh, Chef Tom Jackson. Uh, we talk about his show. We talk about the process that he goes through prepping for that show. And we talk a lot about barbecue and we mention Justin a lot. And I knew that I was going to get him on the show. So definitely, if you haven't heard that one yet, go back and check it out. And then for today's show, yes, we talk about barbecue, we talk about food, but we talk about the art of shooting food. Now, anytime that you see an ad with food in it, anytime you see a cooking show, uh, there are a bunch of different processes that people take to make food look delicious on film. Because believe it or not, and I know you guys have seen this with your little iPhones, uh, when you're taking shots of food, there's there's tricks and techniques that you use to make it look like something delicious. Now, there are those old rules of thumb where you find a, like a beautiful window, you set your food near that window, you have nice white light, soft light, all that kind of stuff. Well, there's, there's a bunch of different tricks and techniques to it. Uh, for years, I've been shooting food and working closely with my collaborator, David Cruda. Drink for that. Um, but the uh, tricks that we've learned um, have been it isn't necessarily always <sighs> look there there aren't steps specifically that you can do or rules that you have to follow to make food look good uh, we wanted to take more of a cinematic approach and uh, I know David's lighting is a bit different than a lot of other folks like for food and I really enjoy that sort of contrasty blown out key source stuff uh, there is the chef's table vibe, you know, super slow motion stuff that we're constantly battling. And that chef's table look that seems like everybody's adopting. And that has thus become the way to shoot food these days. And what I love about the All Things Barbecue guys is that they're not doing that. They have like this really dark feel, dark vibe to capturing a recipe. And that's essentially what they're doing is they're making a recipe show. Like how many times do you just see the basic over over the table, look down on hands and hear the voiceover of, here's what you do. You mix the shit, you put it together, boom, 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 boom. 
And let's be real, most people that are going to look up these videos are in desperate need of help, right? How do I, how much time do I put the egg in the water for? How long should this brisket be on the grill? What's the temp supposed to be at? So there's a skill that's involved with making sure that you're crafting a video that is easy to get through, that is entertaining to get through, and that you can find key points with it. And you're not bullshitting. I don't know how many times I watch a tutorial video online with a host of it, they suddenly feel like this is my fucking, this is my, this is my moment. So I'm gonna rant and rave like this asshole does on his intros. Rant and rave for a long fucking time. It's like no one cares. Get to the meat. Am I saying this to myself? You guys like my intros, right? Whew. Look at that little insecurity that kicked in there. But at the end of the day, you're creating content that people specifically need answers to, especially if you're doing recipe videos. Um. I get really irritated with the recipe stuff. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but you ever notice that when you're looking stuff online and you're looking for like a recipe online and it's sort of a text recipe, you have to like battle the fucking ads and then sometimes it doesn't load on your phone and sometimes it crashes your fucking phone and you're like, can you just tell me how long this needs to be in the oven for? It drives me crazy sometimes. And I get it because that's, that's why you're there. So they want to load all the good parts of the article with as many ads as they can. But it drives me nuts. And that's why I love uh, Justin's stuff. This is why I love Tom's stuff, is that not only is it a video that is gorgeous to look at because his photography is phenomenal on it, uh, but it's also entertaining. Like I think Tom is a great personality. Uh, he seems like the, the, the guy that you want to be friends with. He's that pal that you want to have calling you up all the time because he's testing recipes. You know what I mean? Um, and they've work this thing out they've been at it for like five years doing great content that is on youtube and we'll put all the links below the episode but you can see the evolution you can see them refining and really sort of honing down the storytelling style to become not only efficient but just a lot of fun to watch and he says it on the show and i feel the same way you watch some of these clips that are like 20 minutes long and you think they're five minutes and that's a testament to time that's a testament to great storytelling skills. Now, what's great about this episode, prepare yourself for it, uh, we get to talk about, I don't know, his sort of, just his non-traditional route to becoming a successful cinematographer. And the guy's done some shit. He isn't just a dude shooting uh, YouTube cooking stuff for those naysayers out there. Uh, he's done some really great stuff and he's got plans uh, to progress his career that are really great. Um, I'm, I love these guys. I can't say enough good things about them. Before we get into the episode, I want to thank everybody for following me on Instagram uh, at Mike Petchy on Instagram or following the podcast at In Love With The Process Pod. That's In Love With The Process P-O-D on Instagram. Uh, you guys have been sending suggestions for guests and I've been listening. Uh, we've got a lot of guests booked up that are going to be great for this season of the show. Um, and uh, I appreciate your patience with us on our podcast instagram account i think i finally figured out whatever the fuck was going on where they kept blocking us so i'm trying slowly trying to get my posts up on there without having them say hey you're not allowed to do this many posts i don't get it um but uh you find me doing it more regularly on my personal instagram account and lately i've been trying to post a bit of everything so i've been giving you guys a lot of suggestions on movies that i've been watching lately I was really inspired by that podcast from Empire with uh, Edgar Wright and Tarantino 
and I've been tearing through their list of movies. So I've been watching a lot of really cool uh, old British films, and they're fucking great. Like I just watched The Gentleman, League of Gentlemen, the other night. I just watched uh, a bunch of great Hammer movies. Uh, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde was really fun. I'd never seen that movie before. Um, and it's surprising to me how many Hammer films I haven't seen. Uh, and I actually went back and I w- I've been watching, because I have the Criterion channel, which I will happily promote them without having them be a sponsor. If you guys don't have it yet, and you really want to sort of examine the origins of cinema, and you want to sort of look at where all of like, hey, where did the Mandalorian ideas come from? Like all these filmmakers currently, where are they stealing their ideas from? Get yourselves the Criterion channel. It's very affordable, um, and their catalog is staggering. The talent on that catalog is staggering. It's any any Kurosawa movie you ever want to watch. Um, Criterion released all the old Godzilla movies, which you know me and fucking Godzilla being a fan. Um, I just watched uh, the original Rodan, uh, which is really fucking great. I forgot how good that movie was. The whole mining bit. Like, there was a lot of stuff in there that made me think of, like, Chernobyl and all of that. I love the old Toho stuff. Um, so definitely check it out. Not a spo- I'm not sponsored by these guys yet, Criterion. But uh, you really should go check out the Criterion channel. And I still believe in buying physical media. And the Criterion Blu-rays are just film schools in little packages. They're amazing for it. The, cri- the um, commentaries on those are fantastic. And really, getting great director's commentaries, you still need that physical media. You still need Blu-rays for that. Uh, So definitely check it out. And like I said, follow me on Instagram. There you'll see all my latest recommendations, uh, what I think about these movies that I've been watching. On top of that, I've been doing a lot of barbecuing lately, like back in the season. So uh, I just recently put up my recipe for smoked wings. You guys have been asking for it. You'll find that in my stories. Um, let's see what else have we been posting about up there. Uh, hopefully some more work that's coming out and obviously any updates on the show. Um, and for those of you who are just joining us, uh, jump on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There you'll be able to sort through our episodes curated based upon subject material. So if you want to listen to all the shows with chefs, they're all there. If you want to listen to our top 20 episodes, it's a great way to get into the show. Uh, that stuff's there. I have to update that this year because there's a bunch of new episodes that belong on that list. Maybe it'll become the top 30 episodes, which isn't a bad deal because we're kicking it like what, like 122 or something? Where are we at? Time fucking flies. We've been doing this show for about four years. It's crazy. Um, so anyway, without further ado, strap yourselves in. Uh, those food lovers, get ready to hear how a barbecue cooking show is put together how it's made you get to hear the recipe behind a cooking show as they say and uh, for those of you who uh, want to become cinematographers those of you who want to shoot food more regularly you might find a couple tips on this show you might find some stuff in there um, I'm excited so you know the deal pour yourself a nice cold beer early in the morning get yourself a nice morning beer Find a quiet place, throw on those noise-canceling headphones, sit back and relax. A new conversation with me and Justin Carey on the brand new episode of In Love With The Process.
Justin, thanks for being on the show. How are you, dude? Good, man. How you doing? Uh, like I just said, I feel like old hungover grandmother today. <laughs> <laughs> I feel great. Oh, shut up. <laughs> it's like a negative 11 degrees outside right now, and it won't stop snowing. Oh, right. You're in Kansas, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you guys, you guys got a good right now. <laughs> well, this is, this is a, this is a very strange amount of cold for us. Like it's typically cold for like a day and then it cuts it out, but it's been cold for a really long time. Like I don't want to go outside kind of cold, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, originally I'm from Boston. Uh, so I understand and you get it. Yeah, I get it. And, but yes, I know listeners, that's a bingo fucking every time on, <laughs> on the show, I'm always like, originally I'm from the East coast and my associate producer made a bingo sheet for the drinking game for this. So yes, you should probably drink a beer. Cause I fucking said it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn, it's, it's 11 o'clock in the morning, but I could, I could go for a beer. <laughs> it's nine o'clock here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> have at it. Yeah. Um, so very excited to have you in the show. And, um, cause I've had Tom on, I've had your partner in crime on the show yeah. and, uh, it just makes a lot of sense. And you're, you're, you, Cruda says that you guys have been chatting too. So you're pals with Cruda as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I met him through uh, through Instagram, naturally. Yeah, of course. That's the way we all meet our, our lovers. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but uh, look, I got to say this off the bat. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the show. I've been a huge fan of the show since before I was talking to you guys. Um, and I think that it is one of the best uh, shot like recipe ep- like uh, recipe food cooking shows on YouTube by far, dude. So I think your work Thanks, is man. fantastic on the show. Um, yeah, it it's it's kind of funny how how the whole thing came about. Oh um, yeah, it, it just as as far as like on our end, it was a complete accident how we started that show. So um, I was a I'd been a working DP for a while. Uh, went to film school, kind of had made it my career, and my brother. Um, actually working at the barbecue store at the time. Um, <laughs> he said, Hey, we should do some videos on YouTube. And, uh, so we did one and, and then we did another one and, and we just continued this whole thing kind of started by accident. And so I was always really concerned about how well it looked, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted it to look good and Tom and I kind of grew together. I mean, the show in the beginning looked okay. Now his delivery and his recipes and everything is just, you know, you know, it's gotten a lot better. Yeah, totally. Years ago, I don't know if I've said this on the show. Years ago, when I was in the, like, I had just started working in the business and I was starving and I was living in a place uh, with a bunch of other filmmaker pals. We did a show before YouTube. We did a show called Starving with Lewis back in the day. And it was essentially, it was essentially my fat buddy who uh, fancied himself a cook. Uh, We, one day I walked into the kitchen and I saw him uh, chewing on a, a thing of raw ramen. And I was just like, you're a fucking animal. And I was just watching him chew through this raw ramen. And I was like, you're disgusting. And he goes, well, I, dude, I make all my recipes with ramen. I do everything with ramen. And I was like, oh, yeah. And he goes, yeah. And I go, well, let's film one. And then from there, it became sort of like this college kid's staple where it was like, how do we make white trash gourmet food? And we, and, and we, did, it, we did it for like uh, about a year. And... um uh, I understand what you're saying about Tom because in the beginning, my buddy Lou really didn't know how to respond to cameras. So most of it was like me talking to him from behind the camera. So it had yeah, some yeah. of that 
perspective where I was like, you do turn to camera and tell us what you're doing. You know what I mean? It was like that kind of direction. <laughs> and then you became a director. <laughs> you started telling him what to do, man. <laughs> totally, man. So I get it, man. I get that, you know, there's an evolution uh, that happens. Um, and for sure. Well, hey, hey, before we get too, too far down the road, the best part of making ramen is eating the little bits that are left in the package. <laughs> you know, I mean, like I can't open it. Like I'm, I'm excited to get the brick into the water so that I can eat that little bit of the, you know, the crunchy stuff at the bottom. Uh, look, you sound normal. This motherfucker would crack it up like cereal, put it in a bowl and then just put the dry mix in there and chew on it. And I'm like, watching you eat is like watching bubble gum with shard glass crunched. <laughs> Fucking shit. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's a little extreme. Yeah. The whole brick, that's a little extreme. Uh, but yeah, so it went on to be a classic. I'll put a link below for everybody listening so you guys can Oh, yeah, that's great. I can't wait to check that out. Uh, but um, you guys are completely the opposite. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I got to say this. Look, I started watching the show because uh and i don't know what crude has told you but you know we're all a bunch of barbecue fiends like that's yeah yeah kind of what we do when we're not working and uh so i you know you scour the internet because we live in that generation now where it's like i can do anything i just look on youtube and then i'm good that's right you're an expert yeah so <laughs> i was doing a lot of scouring around and i you guys were the best like i thought that uh i like tom's band i like his his voice, I like how straight to the point he is, how no bullshit he is on the show. Um, and then the recipes were just like really great. And so there's yeah. there's so many great tech techniques and tricks that I have sort of rolled into my process that you guys have taught me. So yeah, man, great fucking show for them. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, Tom. Tom definitely. Uh, uh, in the in the beginning, the camera was very strange to him. It was like a foreign object. He didn't want to look at it. He 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 sweat a lot, um, you know. So there was a lot of us like kind of talking through what we're going to do. And I mean, when it, when it started out, it was voiceover. We just I just had him sitting in the kitchen. Uh, we would shoot everything, get some Nat sound, and then uh, I would have him do voiceover. And I walked into the uh, into the kitchen one day after he had been recording audio and he'd gone to take a piss or something, and on his notebook with all of his notes, it said in like this block, like written block lettering, I fucking hate voiceover. <laughs> and so, so kind of from, from that point forward, we kind of moved into the, the next generation, which was like, Hey, what if we put a mic on you, buddy? You know, what if you just walk around and talk? And, uh, it, that, that's kind of how that whole thing started. And then it got a lot more conversational It get, you know, I was trying to do less work for me. Yeah, of course. You know, really in the beginning. And it ended up just being more work for everybody. So, which is, I mean, it's hilarious that we got to where we are because uh, of a note that he left me that maybe he didn't know that he left me. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that a lot of folks don't realize how difficult it is to shoot food. And like yeah. a, a big portion of it, because I've done a lot of it too, a big portion of it is just scheduling and prep. And yeah, if you're cooking in the kitchen in general, it's all prep. It's all prep. But For then sure. when you're when you're fucking filming, 
Uh, I don't know how you guys do it, but uh, there are all sorts of different techniques on how to actually do a cooking show. And sometimes when you're watching shows on television, you'll see them be like, and then this is how you do your prep. And then let's go over here to the fridge and bam, here's the marinated fucking thing. Already done. (laughs) Exactly. And then bam, out of the oven comes this fucking thing that we did. The Rachel Ray it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you, what is your process on the show? How do you guys get all that stuff set up? Um, I mean, we are, uh, Unless it's a like a brisket or something that's going to take eight or ten hours, it is as linear as you see it on the show. So <laughs> we get in. Uh, Tom typically has like the little stuff is the mise en place, like everything kind of uh, laid out on the table. We actually carry the table to the patio where we shoot. Um, and then he starts from the beginning. So we typically shoot an intro. We roll over, start the grill. Um, and then he comes back and starts, you know, doing the spiel, chopping up the onions, you know, getting everything prepped and ready. Um, if it's like a short marinade or something like that, like we just chill, we just hang out and, and, you know, shoot the shit for a little bit. And then when it's been an hour, we put the thing on the grill and every once in a while we're like 30 minutes is enough. You know, even if we said it was an hour, um, (laughs) because he's, he's tested this recipe two or three times before you're seeing it. So he knows what it tastes like. Oh, gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah, so so his his utter surprise at the end of a video that he's like, whoa, like <laughs> he knew it was going to be good. Uh, he's done he's done it before, but uh, you know that's a little bit of showmanship there. But uh, when it when it comes uh, when it comes to like a big meat, and this is just in the last year or two, um, I typically am the one because I, I want the light at the end of the day. So we can do it two ways: we can roll in at eight, we can put a brisket on for eight or 10 hours and be shooting in the dark um, at the end. Or I can wake up at 4 a.m. and he preps a brisket the night before and I go and I put it on the grill and I hang out. Got it. And then when everybody shows up at, by the time we're ready to roll at nine or 10, it's been on for five or six hours. Got it. And so we're ready to wrap and move on to the next thing, which is typically prepping the brisket to go on. Right, 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 so, right. So you 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 stack it so that you get the final product and the perfect lighting and then you yep, you go on, on the road. same and and when it comes to lighting like dude, I still I still have like a 4K like LTM uh, <laughs> HMI <laughs> shooting through a rag and I mean we 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 light the show, but we have a very unique patio where uh, the opening faces the south and so it's like uh, right now it's it's incredibly difficult to control because the sun is so low yeah but we we do a lot of i've got a guy uh max who came in uh, as an assistant just uh right at the start of the pandemic when everything shut down and he's been a godsend man he he comes in he busts his ass he's he's 25 years old um and he just he's he's learned a lot in a short amount of time and he he helps me out a lot because i can say hey you know what let's uh let's move this over there let's do this over there you know i didn't have that before yeah so So now, like, even if you go back a year from now, the show looks infinitely better because I have that guy, you know? Well, that's an interesting point. Let's get down that road for a hard second here. Like, yeah. what, what in your opinion makes a great assistant? What in your opinion makes someone valuable to you? Uh, yeah, honestly, I, I say this all the time. Um, I'm, I'm one year away from 40, just turned 39. Mm-hmm. So I've been working in the industry for a long time and you can tell immediately about someone if they're going to hack it or not. And it's, it's simple. It's simple as listening and acting. And when you say, man, what I really need is a two by three flag, like right over here and they're already gone and they're, they're grabbing it from the gear room or the truck or whatever. 
that guy's sticking around or that girl's sticking around. No doubt. Yeah. Because they, they understand what you need and they understand that they're the person to do it, <laughs> you know? And so Max, actually, we were shooting some spec spot with uh, uh, some buddies of mine and he was there. I'd never met him before. And I, I looked at him after about an hour and said to myself, that guy's going to be on our crew, you know? <laughs> and, and so I hired him. I'm like, you know what? He, he works with me outside of all things barbecue all the time. But I hired him uh, in house, and so he's there, you know, every day. Dude, it's 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 the best thing in the world when you find an assistant that you a can rely on, but b love. Oh, yeah. But b love. I worked my assistant Tony years ago. Him and I were together for like seven years, seven or eight years, and it, like every day was a was a joy. And there's yeah. something really great about having that person that will you know get in the car with you early when you go to do a shoot. Like knows how to pack your vehicle, knows oh, how yeah. to put everything together, <laughs> and then is just a fun person to be around. Like, yeah, they're fun to drink with, they're fun to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. dude, it's so fucking, it's so important. And I, I, I only bring it up, and we'll get back onto the barbecue stuff soon. But I only bring it oh, up yeah. here because a lot of folks are always like, "How do I get in the business? And how do I make shit happen?" And Look, if, if you want a surefire way in, especially if you're trying to learn about lighting, if you're trying to learn about shooting, if you're trying to get into that stuff, just be a cool motherfucker. Like, yep, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> really just be cool and be honest and be truthful and just be patient because, you know, uh, Cruder will tell you about it. His, his pal, his dude, uh, Greg Tango, who's an amazing gaffer and he's an amazing lighting guy. He worked, I think the first time they worked together was on my shoot for 12KM. And he was okay. a friend of Suja, who was the art department person. So he got the position because he was a friend of a friend and then worked with Kruda. And they loved each other so much that they had been working on so many projects. They'd done features together. They've done uh, my food stuff together. They worked on my films. Um, and then eventually you progress. And we're happy to see you progress. Like I know that he's now progressed into being a cinematographer himself and now he's shooting a lot of his own stuff. And there's a lot of support for that that comes from the group. And so if you're thinking about getting into the industry and you want to work yourself in sort of an unnatural way or like a way that seems like it's uh, not a traditional way is what I was trying to say, <clears throat> definitely think about assisting. You know, oh yeah, well, you know. It, on that note, um, I've I've had the first uh, my my same first AC for five years now. Yeah, and I, I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, which makes me sad, makes me nervous. But he's <laughs> he's I can tell he's ready to move on. Um, which it's kind of a weird being in the Midwest. It's a weird transition from first of all just being a first AC. Like that's weird because yeah. there's not a lot of them here. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And, but I think he's going to be moving into directing and which is cool because I think I'll be able to work with them in a different capacity, but like, he's the guy that knows how to build my camera. He's the guy that, that keeps everything sharp. He's the guy that can pull on film, you know? And like, that's one of the things that around here, not a lot of people that can pull by eyesight and distance, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, they totally. want a really sharp monitor. Totally. <clears throat> and a lot of people don't realize that that's what makes it. When I was spending years as a cinematographer shooting stuff, you really are trying to find those tools. You're trying to find those those hands that really shape your work. Yeah. And I, I used to say this to producers all the time. They're like, we'll just hire you to come in and do this. I go, you like this thing that you're hiring me for? That That is this guy. That's that gaffer. That's this grip. That's this person. <laughs> they're, they're the people that made that look really great. Uh, sure, I, you know, set everything up and told them what to fucking do. But yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I still needed those people. 
important. Yeah, and, and, and at some point, like telling them what to do, they kind of look at you like they glaze over and they're like, yeah, dude, we know how you light. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like we've already got the we've already got the big source out the window. We've already got neg everywhere. We, we know what you're doing. It's cool. And then, you know, you tweak from there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, stop talking to us this early in the morning. We've done this before. <laughs> exactly. I need coffee. <laughs> uh, so that's great, man. That's great that you have your, your team because it's going to be tough finding a team in Kansas. Like you said, it's going to be tough. To yeah. Find. Well, it, it, there's two ways to look at it. Uh, it could be tough to find like seasoned, you know, vets, but it's also like, like I said earlier, like you find those people, you find the people that are down, you find the guys that, and girls that are like down to do, uh, to do anything, to do the job the best that they can do it. And then it's almost a grooming process. You know, you're learning together. You teach them what you know. They learn from, you know, they're, they're learning from all over the place, but you learn together. You come up together. Yeah, I'd prefer that. You know, seasoned vets sometimes are overrated. And especially <laughs> as a director, you have to teach yourself on how to deal with seasoned vets because they come For with sure. so much stuff, especially in like the grip and lighting department. And, you know, Boston, as much as I love that city, uh, they have a fucking rough, gruff, grizzly crew of people <laughs> that will walk all over you. So <clears throat> I, when I started in that town, very similar to you, I wanted to build my own team. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to learn. You're going to learn. Let's do this together. Yeah. Um, and you end up working with these guys for, for fucking years, like 10, 12 sure. years. Um, and, you know, you want them to to grow and eventually you get sad because you're like okay this person needs to sort of move on mm -hmm. um, but you know it's good it's all for the good for sure for sure okay you know the deal it is time to show some love and respect sponsors i'm talking about the men and women that help make this show possible and i'm talking about a lot of our new sponsors on the show first up my pals over at dale strong dale strong knives if you are a chef if you are in a kitchen where you're supporting a chef maybe you're a sous chef maybe you're doing a lot of prep dale strong knives are perfect for that if you are, like all of you are, I guarantee you that most of you listening are people at home wanting to try to figure out how to do barbecue on your own, wanting to try to figure out how to film food and shoot food, you need a great knife and you need a chef's knife. It blows my mind how many people are still cutting stuff with fucking like steak knives, right? You want a balanced knife. Now, what do I mean by a balanced knife? It's like, this is like an old samurai movie. Right? You want that sword that just is balanced in your hand, that's weighted properly, so that when you're lopping people's heads off and cutting them in half, that thing's not going to slip out of your hands. You're not going to accidentally cut yourself, you know? You need a perfect weapon for murder. <laughs> and Dale Strong does that. They make a really great balanced knife. Um, and they have all sorts of different types. I have a bunch of them because... As you've seen, I've done a bunch of ads for these guys, so I've got access to their beautiful knives. Um, but I'm just going through the website now, so head on over to dalestrong.com. Ooh, they got some new stuff that looks really great. They have this Omega Series 8.5. I'm not going to be able to pronounce that, but it's a chef's knife. That looks phenomenal. 
Um, they have great boning knives, and there is a knife for every job. Like uh, one of my favorite knives that they have, which seems to be, if you look at it, would be a boring knife. Uh, but I love bread knives. So if you're one of those folks out there that is obsessed with making sourdough and doing all this stuff because of COVID, get yourself a good bread knife. We actually shot this bread knife cutting through a loaf of bread, super slow motion with a phantom. And it was, it was a nasty thing to see. Really cool knife, really beautiful uh, piece of equipment. And it's important to have a great chef's knife. And I'm not just saying this because these guys are a sponsor of the show and I have to do an ad read. Let me just break from an ad read and give you some personal experience, okay? Um, I saw a drastic change in the way my food tasted and in my, the way my food looked on the plate when I changed to a sharp knife, like a drastic change. It's simply like when you go to cut an onion, have you guys ever tried to dice up an onion and you have a dull knife and you know how the onion has all those layers of skin basically and if you have a dull knife, it just sort of pushes it off and destroys it. You're gonna cut your fucking hand first off. But the first time I had a beautifully sharp knife effortlessly, I was doing perfect cuts and I was able to mince it even tighter which changed the way it tasted. Like if you're trying to mince up garlic, if you're trying to do the Goodfellas prison garlic cut, you need a great chef's knife for that. And it sort of changed my system on how I use a knife when I use a longer chef's knife. Instead of pushing through it, I'm actually rocking into it. And when you're actually using it to rock into place, you can feed food into it faster, which is really great. Because if you're a cook, if you're someone that's learning to be a chef, you know, that 60% of this shit, I would say 70% of this shit, is prep. It's all prep. Cutting carrots, you know, cutting onions, cutting garlic. Uh, and you want a knife that does it quickly, efficiently, and feels safe in your hands. So I can't say enough great things about them. And the cool thing about Dale Strong is that we have a promo code, right? So their knives are already incredibly affordable. Just looking through here. Man, even their Shogun series. Wow. Their fillet knife's only 99 bucks. Their cleavers are fucking great. I have a Shogun cleaver, and that thing is sharp as hell, and I can cut my chicken wings with with ease with a cleaver. And that's only 119 bucks. And if you use our promo code, which I think is ILWP Dale Strong, we'll put it below the episode. If you use our promo code, you'll get an additional 15% off. Um, I love their knives, man. I can't say enough great things. I have their actual steak knife set. Which blew my mind, having sharp steak knives, where like at home you're not like sort of running like a fucking tree saw <laughs> through that perfectly cut steak and just shredding it to pieces. You have a beautifully sharp steak knife. And they all come with little sheaths, keeps them really great. And these guys also provide, uh, you can get your hands on like sharpening stones, you can get your hands on other cooking ware too. They're actually expanding their product line, uh, which I'm very excited to try out their other stuff. Dale Strong's great. The guys that run Dale Strong, that own Dale Strong, they're solid dudes. They respect creatives. It's one of the reasons why we work together. A fucking great company. We can't say enough good things about them. So go to dalestrong.com and check them out. Also, supporting the show, as always, are good guys over at Puget Systems. If you are in the market for a new computer, if you're looking to build a new edit system, definitely look into buying a PC telling you right now, buy yourself a PC, you're gonna save yourself money, you're gonna save yourself heartache, you're gonna get better customer support, you're gonna get 
the ability to upgrade. You're not going to have to throw that fucking trash can out. When it becomes outdated, you can update your current hardware. Imagine that. Building a hot rod specific to your needs. And I know the idea of trying to build your own PC can be overwhelming. Like what hardware works with what? Has this been beta tested? Why when I plug everything in, does it not work? Same thing with me. I used to build my own PCs when I was a kid. I just don't have the time to go through that research process. So I hunted and searched and I found this great company, Puget Systems. Puget Systems is a family owned company. They're in the uh, upper Northwest. Uh, and I love these guys. They put together custom built machines based upon the software you use, based upon your needs. Can you imagine? Your needs dictate how the machine's built. There was a time when that was the way everything worked. Uh, go to PugetSystems.com. Uh, they have a couple of uh, base models to choose from, but then everything's customizable. These guys like it when you reach out to them. They like to talk to their customers. They like to understand what it is that you do. Um, they also run. They also make their own podcasts and stuff, so they love to meet their customers, and they support the hell out of creatives. Uh, they've been a huge support system on this show. They've been a big support system on my work. I have been a spokesperson for them for years at this point uh, because they're great and I love them. So I can't say enough good things. Build yourself a new system. We talk a lot about editing on this show and on today's episode specifically. Um, and uh, I think Justin mentions that he's using a trash can to be able to run his 5K. I'm telling you, you can build a faster machine even cheaper with a, with a PC. I'm telling you right now, based upon side-by-side -side comparison, I'm telling you it'll be faster. Faster and cheaper. That's what we want. So go to PugetSystems.com and check them out. Also supporting the show, as always, Quasar Science, one of the best advancements in lighting technology, has been Quasar Tubes. Today's episode is all about food photography. I use the hell out of Quasar uh, bicolors, and I use the hell out of Quasar uh, rainbow LED units whenever I shot the Dale Strong stuff. So anytime that you saw like those knife inserts with the moving lights that sort of like uh, shot across the blades, uh, that was me just waving like a fucking Jedi, waving a quasar over the top of these knives and looking for the best uh, angle to get that contour around uh, the steel. Because shooting knives is like shooting cars, man. They're just big reflective surfaces. And so you wanna make sure that what you're seeing in those reflected surfaces are true color, are uh, reliable, and because it's so lightweight and the thing doesn't get hot in my hands, I can just handheld it until I find what it is that I need to shoot. Makes me look better, makes you guys think I did some magic, when in the reality I was just waving around a fucking Quasar too. So check them out, go to Quasar Science and look at all their cool stuff that they're doing. And those guys are also creating good content. Their uh, puppet show that they do is fantastic. Uh, you want to see what I'm talking about? Go to Quasar Science. Let me know what you think. Let them know what you think. And if you reach out to these guys at any point, whether it's on their Instagram, tell them that you heard about them listening to this show. I think it's important to give us a shout out because then they believe me when I go, people listen to these. <laughs> uh, also, if you want to support the show, best way to do so is through an Audible free trial. If you haven't done so already, you can sign up for audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process the link is below because i often fuck that up the link is below the episode sign up for a 30-day free trial comes with a free audiobook and access to a bunch of their audio content on there uh, i love audible because that's how i'm listening to my books 
I'm actually listening to a book on sleep study right now. Let me see if I can pull this up quickly because I didn't prep, you know. I woke up early this morning. So if you guys could see, I'm actually booting up my Audible account on my phone right now. This bright little yellow logo with an opening book. And uh, what have I been reading lately? Look at my library. So you guys heard me talking about the Talking to Strangers book by Malcolm Gladwell. It's a fucking fantastic book. Highly suggest that. I'm in the process of reading The Sleep Solution by Chris Winter. And I'm going to try to get Chris on the show. Because I think that there's an interesting uh, connection to like sleep deprivation and creatives. I'd like to talk about that. Uh, I recently just read Ready Player Two by Ernest Cline. It was, it was fun. It was a fun book. I didn't like it as much as I liked the first one, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I also finally, I finally read The Call of Cthulhu. I hadn't read that yet. Um, you know, because we're always talking about uh, Cthulhu and, you know, cosmic horror, whenever this, we're doing our horror movie stuff. And I felt like uh, kind of a poser because I hadn't read that yet. I also read on here the Save the Cat series by Blake Snyder. Um, I was listening to an Audible original on here, The Alien River of Pain, and I think that came free with my account. So there's like a podcast series on there about Alien. And for those uh, directors out there trying to figure out how to handle actors, uh, I definitely suggest you read the Sanford Meisner on acting book. Really great book on how actors uh, come prepared, how to prepare to be on set, how to prepare for those first 30 seconds when the camera rolls um really good book so all that stuff i've been listening to on audible so if you're curious about what i'm using as research sign up for a free trial at audible like i said the link is below the episode and look i know the deal we're all in unemployment so if you hit that 30-day point you're like mike i just can't keep with it do what you got to do man we still get paid right i know you're gonna stick around because it takes fucking forever to get through those uh, and I've been a member of Audible now for almost a half year. So I really dig them. All right, that's it. So let's get back into the show with Justin. Anyway, uh, so back to barbecue stuff. The <laughs> so it's fascinating to hear your prep. Do you do all the editing? Is it all your process? So yeah, I mean for for the better part of I think we're we're actually I wrote the, the only two things I wrote down was the very first video that that Tom and I shot together. That was six years ago. It was the two thirteen twenty fifteen. Okay. <laughs> um, so I wrote that down, and then I wrote like the first real uh, episode that we shot because the first one was like kind of a uh, had music over it and everything. Right. Um, and that was in September of that year. Nice. But I edited everything up until about a year ago. And Max, my assistant, has started. Uh, so I've had two Maxes. I had a, a, another guy that was editing. It was just a little more difficult because he wasn't in house. Um, but my guy edits now, and then he sends me the file, and I, I kind of finish it. Right. Um, so it, it, you know, like I said, Tom and I kind of learned this process together, and you know, w- without even really talking to each other about it, we we got to a point where um, we knew that we wanted to deliver it as quickly and efficiently as possible. Yeah, because I forget 
I want to say it's like the barbecue boys or the barbecue. There was this like this YouTube channel and I'm sure it's still out there, but their episodes were like 45 minutes long. (laughs) And it, you know, you're just like scrubbing through it, like trying to get to anything that they're doing, you know? (laughs) Right. And and like, that was the, the, the kind of the writing on the wall. And even then, like back, back in like 2015, when the web, I mean, obviously the web had been around for a long time, but video was becoming like the thing, you know, no one wanted to see a picture and and a write up. Right. So we knew that we wanted to stay like early on. We're like three to five minutes. You know, and then as we started doing this longer, it's like, there's no way we can do this in three to five minutes. <laughs> but, you know, then the algorithms changed and YouTube wanted 10 minutes. And, you know, we kind of sort of a little bit pay attention to that stuff. But as I've said, uh, I, every year since we started, we're, we aren't YouTubers. We just happen to be putting stuff on YouTube. You can tell. Like, you can tell. Tom, Tom's not a YouTuber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he doesn't. I, and, and nothing against the. I mean, I understand how incredibly difficult it is and how incredibly hard some of these kids work that are producing content, you know, every day of the week. They're shooting at themselves or editing at themselves or coming up with all the concepts and everything. Dude. It's a ton of work. I mean, I'm doing a fraction of it, and Tom's doing a fraction of it, and Max is doing a fraction of it, and it's still a lot of work. Fuck yeah, dude. I mean, people don't realize that when you watch, like now, when you watch YouTube, and sometimes I get a little turned off by it. When I'm on YouTube, and I'm like, there's like fucking four ads here. This yeah. shit this shit at this point is like ABC, CBS, and the difference yeah. is that they're not paying you. There's like, <laughs> there's like huge groups of fucking kids that are out there like doing the work of a union crew to shoot these like little pieces every day. And then these algorithms that are in place where it's like, you got to hustle more. We need more content. We need more streaming. And you're like, man, what am I doing? And I get it. Like, I forget the way that the pricing works. And it's really hard to find the fucking pricing on how they pay you based upon how much million, how many millions you get. Uh, Yeah. But it's like, is it still, does it still equate to what they would have to pay a team of people to make a television show for that period. I mean, I, you know, it's funny because we don't monetize. We've never monetized. And the monetization of our show is the store in which we run, you know? Right. So, um, everything's an ad, you know, I mean, everything we do is an ad, but it isn't meant to, we're not trying to trick you. Um, it, it just is the stuff that we cook with. So the stuff that we cook with, we happen to sell. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, you know? dude, it's genius. That's when I, when I had Tom on the episode, I was asking him about that too. And I'm like, how the fuck do you guys put everything together? And, and then he was explaining how the store is involved. And I was like, that's fucking genius because it is such a specialized market, you know, for like a lot of this barbecue product stuff. And so yeah. you're, you're like being someone that wants to learn this hobby and especially not during COVID where everybody's like, yeah. bake, everybody's baking fucking bread and shit. You know, like <laughs> you look at this going like, okay, cool. Where do I get those specific things? And the fact that you guys provide that, it's the perfect symbiotic relationship between creating great content and then also selling good product. But more than that, it doesn't feel like it's a straight up commercial. It doesn't feel yeah. like you're doing like a late night infomercial where it's like great deal on this fucking spatula. And let me show you how yeah. flips burgers. You know what I mean? Yeah. We leave that to the marketing team that like puts it in the email. You know, if there's something on sale, they'll tell you. Uh, we we kind of we don't work super close. It's kind of funny. Uh, you know, my family owns all things barbecue. Got it. So uh, so like my my dad 
owns the store um, and my entire family minus one works for the family at some capacity. Um, so he would really, really wish that we would work a lot harder to, to name, you know, to drop names and, you know, to talk about sales and stuff like that. But he is so bought into what we're doing now, um, with this like community of people that we're trying to build, um, that love to cook. Like yeah. you, you know, there's always gonna be some asshat in the comments. It's like, you're doing it wrong. You don't know what you're doing. You're not a chef, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Every single video, of course, of course. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, there's, there's like the, the one, the one guy that says I'm being sold to, and that hurts worse. <laughs> it's like, you got that? <laughs> How did you get that? Um, but, but yeah, I mean the, the, the goal, the goal is to bring amazing recipes. And I, I'm the first one to tell you like chef Tom is an amazing chef. You can he tell. really is. I mean, it's, it's no bullshit. When you're, when, when he's, when he's tasting that and he doesn't give himself enough credit, like we're kind of all like that, but it, his food is so good. Like it's hard for me, certainly for barbecue. It's hard to like go eat barbecue at a restaurant you know, that was cooked <laughs> the day before or right. whatever, you know? Right, right, right. But, but seriously, like he's got chops in so many areas. In fact, like he, you know, he was a, he was a baker, you know? And so when he, when he makes bread, I love shooting it because uh, we just released a video on how to make a bread bowl. Uh -huh. And if you watch him work with dough, it's like, he's been doing it his whole life, you know? <laughs> and so to shoot that is like almost like this hypnotic thing. as he's like working with the dough. Cause that is incredibly hard. Yeah. Dude. You know, and he makes it look so easy. <laughs> well, you can tell the dude's got the experience and you know, I've done a lot of his recipes and I'm no chef Tom, but I've done them and I've been like, okay, this is good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, it's fascinating to see, because when I talked to him, he was very much like, I never thought I'd be a television personality or, or <laughs> internet personality. It's like, I just thought I was going to be a chef. Uh, and it's such a weird world now because chefs have become celebrities. It's like out here in California, you drive down like Sunset and you'll see billboards with like Vin Diesel on it and his huge fucking face on there. And then you'll see a billboard with some other celebrity chef. And it's yeah. at that same fucking level and it's so fascinating because, you know, they call it, you know, food porn for a reason. It's yeah, it's the ability to craft an emotional experience with ingredients. Um, yep. And that's why I talk about it on the show, because I, I feel like there's a parallel to being a great chef and being a good filmmaker. And I'm sure you see that every day, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, dude, uh, chefs are their artists in so many ways. I mean, and, and, and just like in uh, in our industry, there are people that maybe are more technicians and not artists. Mm -hmm. And that's what maybe a lot of people that assist in the kitchen and even some chefs are more technically based, you know, chefs, uh, a chef, like, like chef Tom, like he's an artist. He's trying to craft something that he wants you to eat. And when you eat it, he wants to see that reaction on your face, you know, <laughs> Like, damn, that's good. <laughs> I love it when he like occasionally breaks and does his little dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when he, when he really knocks it out of the park. Yeah. It's really great. <clears throat> so at this point you must be fucking sick of barbecue, right? Are you done with it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> to be quite honest, uh, I'm not much of a barbecue guy anyway. I like, you know, salads and chicken and stuff like that for the most <laughs> part, but, uh, fish, but 
I get to nibble on like the best barbecue around, yeah. which is great. So I don't have to like order a twenty dollar plate of barbecue. I can have like a piece of brisket and be like, damn, that's good. You know. <laughs> I get it, man. And <clears throat> so as from a okay, so from like a photography standpoint, um, shooting food can be really difficult, you know. Yeah. And you know, making a plate of food look <laughs> look like it tastes good on film can be a process for you. Yeah. What for are your sure. What are your tricks? Like, what do you what do you what is your like go to for shooting a plate of food? You know, I mean, we don't do those like chef table uh, like you know, slow, well, we do some slow-mo stuff, but you know, like where they like light it and, you know, do the top down and all that stuff, which we'd love to do. It's just, we don't have the time to do it. Yeah. We've, um, we've done a lot of that, me and crew dog. So yeah, we know. Yeah. Oh man. And, and like every single frame that you see in our videos is edible, you know? So we're not like styling food. Uh, what well, we are, I mean, chef Tom is styling it towards the end. Um, it's so weird to call him Chef Tom. I'm going to call him Tom okay. from now on. <laughs> yes. um, but he he is he's crafting uh, a plate, uh, hopefully that's got layers of of color and it's in the right bowl and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you know we're we've just we've lit it in a way that you know it's mostly backlit and you know we've got a bunch of negative on the other side. So like really just trying to uh, shape shape the light around the food and then he does the rest. You know so what you're seeing isn't like some deviation from what he's putting in his mouth. It is exactly what we just put together. Yeah. So, which, and we've gotten a lot better at that as a team of, and and without even talking about it, we don't sit around and, you know, you know, scratch the chin and try and figure (laughs) out how to, you know, make this look good. It just kind of (laughs) happens naturally. Um, And I've, I've shot food before that, that I've had to light, you know, commercially and, and it's a lot of work. Yeah. And, there's like 17 people standing around a monitor telling you you're doing it wrong. Dude, it's it's surprising how much work it is cuz we've done we've done a lot of stuff for Dale Strong for years and those they're a great client cuz they basically let me go off the rails and do yeah. whatever I want for them, which is good. But um the last thing that we did uh we did like some phantom shit. We did some super slow yeah. motion stuff and um you know, being the guy that plans these things and puts together the day schedule I was just sort of stacking it out because I, I also do most of the editing for all this stuff. And if you're an editor, as you know, you're sort of sitting there going, I need more clips of my fucking bins. Like at the yeah, end of the day, exactly. you're just like, <laughs> why didn't we shoot more? Yeah. So you're just like, God damn it. So you shot listing out basically what you need and what the essentials are. And then that shot list gets ridiculous. And I hand it to Kruda and he's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I know, I know, dude. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> when I'm, when I'm shooting, uh, when I was shooting phantom stuff, that shit takes fucking forever. Oh man, forever! And then because you're slowing it down to such a a specific fraction uh, of a moment, uh, mm-hmm. just like when you're going to cut, like we were throwing like super sharp blades through melons. Yeah, in the process of trying to get the perfect positioning and the perfect slice. It was like we I could only afford to do it like five times. And I'm like, okay, yeah. we gotta move on. That fucking melon was scrapped. Not using that. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, you look in your bin and you go, fuck, I've only got like 12 clips. And I remember talking yeah. to the client afterwards and I said, dude, we learned some hard lessons doing the phantom stuff where if you want to do a phantom shoot, I need two days. I need yeah. two days uh of styling and I need a good stylist in there to do it because when you slow that stuff down to that level every detail every grain on the side of that fruit is being examined 
Uh, yeah, it's it's fucking nuts, man. Well, and and the, those cameras, as great as they are, I've I've had the opportunity to shoot with them several times. Like they're a lot of work. Yeah, just the whole process, you know, like the the you hit the record button and it's already captured it. So it's like that, like learning that that's that was my big lesson when I used it the first time. <laughs> yeah. But that you know, it it really is a. Um, it's a labor of love from a lot of different people. And I've worked with some food stylists um, and, and they see things that you don't see and they see things like you said it from experience, you Mm -hmm. know, they know that that's not going to look good because they've done it a hundred times before and it doesn't look good, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's for everything in life. (laughs) You know, I, I preach this all the time to my younger assistant, like, Oh man, that's an experience thing. You know, that that's just something that you're going to learn over time. I can't tell you. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can I can tell you this specific thing and it'll help you. But 10 years down the road, you're going to go, oh, I know what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. <laughs> and, and so 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 five years later of shooting this show, you know, we like I, I, w- I was just before this this podcast, I was going through like watching some of the stuff. And the very first episode shot it on a 5D Mark II handheld. Terrible idea. You know, <laughs> it, it's just it, it's dark as shit. Like, I was just like, yeah, man, we're going to make the, you know, like it was going to be like the horror film of recipe episodes or something. <laughs> and dude, it, it looks like it. <laughs> and like all these years later, like if you look at the show, it's like, dang, that looks really nice. You know, we've crafted our look. Well, th- what's really funny about it is that I couldn't tell you right now how you shoot the new episodes. I couldn't, because I was just trying to sit here and think from memory. I'm like, do you do all that stuff handheld or is that lockdown? And that's actually a good thing because I'm so engrossed in the episode that I'm really not paying attention to your tech yeah, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> you got, you, yeah, that's you the still- best compliment you can get. <laughs> well, there you go, brother. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Do you, uh, you're still shooting that stuff handheld, right? Is that what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. I mean, I, I switched over about three years ago to an easy rig and I don't know how I did it without it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it's all tabletop. So it's like at the, at the hip, yeah. you know, and Tom is like four, four inches shorter than I am too. So it's that dynamic between like throwing a camera on your shoulder and then like having to put it in your armpit. Like that's a weird place to put it when you're, you know, got a 25 pound camera. What's he, what's he, Tom Cruise height? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah, right around all, there. All, all talent. <laughs> nice, six, eight, man. <laughs> all talent on camera are short little people. They always are. <laughs> they really, you know what? And, and he was not, you know, Tom walks into our, our life, you know, about six, seven years ago. And we're like, hey, you're going to be an on-camera personality. <laughs> That's because of your height. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're looking around, we've got a bunch of tall dudes around us, you know? Yeah, it's, it's the opposite of when you get on a roller coaster. They walk you over to a ruler and you're like, nope, too tall. Get out of here. Yep. Get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we, we actually, uh, we shoot the show. Um, I had a red Scarlet that I bought in like 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we shot on that for a really long time. Um, and when you build those cameras out they're they're heavy, you know, and so doing that handheld is, is a little tricky. Um, but now we, we shoot the show on an Epic, uh, and, uh, some old like Lomo, uh, vintage lenses. You could tell. Um, yeah. And I mean, that it's one of the things that I've kind of, I, I, I own a set of, uh, Lomo square fronts, mm-hmm. uh, anamorphic lenses mm-hmm. and, uh, I shoot with them a lot outside of, of work, but we keep toying around with the idea of doing an anamorphic episode. 
I just just don't know where that fits in. Uh, it's also a lot of work. Here's where it fits in because I said this to Tom. I'm like, I want to be your first guest on that show. So oh, done. So if we do that. I should done, be anamorphic. <laughs> we'll make crew to come out. Yeah, dude. Put him on second camera. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, no, we uh, we shot what 12 km on on his flat Lomos because he's got those Lomos too, and those lenses oh, nice. are so beautiful. Like, yeah. I mean, as far as techniques are concerned, they could be kind of a, a bitch sometimes. But Oh, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I love that. I always say to anybody when I'm shooting anything or if I'm trying to hire a DP, I'm like, look, man, the world isn't as clean as a lot of this fucking Marvel shit is. No doubt. My windshield hasn't been washed in two years, and that's how I see everything. So, <laughs> With a low-con filter, yeah, exactly. like a number two. <laughs> and like the bird shit filter, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's <laughs> like I love that vibe. I love that feeling and texture that comes from old lenses, man. And yeah, yeah. And a lot of, sure. a lot of folks are like, should I buy a camera? It's like, mm, you should probably buy lenses. If you're someone yeah. that wants to rent shit out or have like a really good investment, lenses are the way to go. Cause well, the, the, there was a, there's an episode. It's a, uh, uh, I think it's a prime rib, like around Christmas time. I don't know what year it was, but uh, the director that I worked with a lot was in town from LA and he'd brought a, uh, uh, a Panavision package with him. Ooh. So we had a Panavised uh, Epic <laughs> Dragon with, uh, I want to say the Ultra Speeds. Mm-hmm. So I, I shot that entire episode on a 50 T1 uh, <laughs> Panavision lens and like wide open most of the time. Like, why not? <laughs> And like you could totally tell, it's like you know, like the like there's a there's a grain of rub, yeah, that's in focus, and the rest of it's out. It's like probably not very practical. It looks great, <laughs> but it's to, but that's an interesting point now because all right, so you're a DP, so you're coming at it from like visual standpoint. At least originally, I'm sure you were coming at it from like this is how it's gonna look. It's gonna look fucking great. Oh yeah, uh, and then <laughs> as almost like a torturous exercise, you're also the editor. So yeah. <laughs> there hits this point where I'm sure uh, whatever your workflow is, like you, you must be shooting stuff now going like, does this really need to be fucking raw? Can we do this ProRes because it's a faster edit? Like, have yeah, you yeah. Co- like what is your system for, for speed to, to get these things turned around at this point? Well, I mean, I have a, you know, I have like the $10,000 Mac Pro trash can. I mean, so like 5K and the the only thing, in my opinion, uh, for all the like red lovers out there, I'm not a not a red guy. I just happen to own a red camera. Um, the only thing that they've gotten right, I feel, is uh, the their file format because <laughs> right. it plays back so well. Right. So for, for me, I mean, I'm 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 legit in the market right now. I'm talking to Alan Gordon about buying an Alexa XT. Mm-hmm. So the show may be shot on that soon. But like when I get it back, like I can, I can play like 5k files back raw. Yeah. Full, full res. So, but for for me, it's more like when I'm editing it, it's more, do I need that shot? You know, I mean, which every good editor is, is asking that question. Does that tell the story? Um, which I, I feel is why the show has gotten, um, like we've we've cut it down as much as we can to where it's still telling the story. And it feels like a, a 20 minute episode. I've heard people say this, a 20 minute episode feels like a five minute episode. Yeah, totally. dude. And that, I mean, that is the best compliment you can get from that side of it because you're delivering something that is very complex, has a lot of steps, but 
you know, you, you've made this 15 or 20 minute video and people are like, man, that felt short and good, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's where you want to be. So my, my process when I get done, um, it's funny, I've got a 13 and 11 year old, two boys, um, and my wife, like they know when I get done and I've, I've uploaded something, I'm going to go watch it on my, my living room television. <laughs> so I put it up, I watch it on my living room television as a viewer, you know, as someone that is just an audience member enjoying a show. And then there's a lot of times where like in the middle of it, I'm like, shit. And I shut it off and I go back and, and I, and you know, <laughs> now I'm like, I'm re re-rendering and uploading. Um, but I can't watch it. I, I can't watch an edit on my computer and like disconnect myself from the fact that it's still in a timeline, mm -hmm. you know, or that it's not in a timeline, just, just watching it. So I render it out and watch it. And usually for the most part, I've gone through it enough that it's, it's good, but it's just getting a different viewpoint, totally. you know, viewing it, how you're going to view it. To dude, totally. That's huge. That happens with, with us on our stuff all the time, whether it is just stuff for the internet or if it's stuff for cinema, you know, like when we, did the color grading for 12km. We actually did that out at uh, uh, Stein, Steiner Studios in uh, Brooklyn. And I was lucky enough to sit in a theater and have it color graded oh, yeah. in a fucking theater. And I remember going in there and the guys, you know, because you only have a certain amount of time to be in that space. I remember yeah. sitting in there with the guys and they're like, okay, you want to go over some notes? I go, can we just watch the whole thing here? <laughs> can I just sit through the whole thing and just watch it in this environment? Um, and it's so fucking different. And for the internet stuff, a lot of the shit's going to end up on someone's fucking phone, which is a no sin, doubt, you know, but, um, and, and half the time there's going to be barbecue grease all over the phone. Cause they're just scrubbing through it going like, what did he yep. fucking do? And like, <laughs> uh, but cooking from the video, exactly. <laughs> step by step. Um, yep. but it's genius to go in and watch it on your TV. And what we try to do too, is like, if I'm doing music videos or whatever the fuck, I'll bring people into my edit space and just be like, sit here and watch it with me. Because just being around other folks, you start to really recognize what they're responding to. And there's this weird sort of psychic fucking thing that happens where you don't even have to look at them. Suddenly yeah. you're seeing it through their eyes and you're like, ooh, that shot's gonna change and that's gonna change and that's gonna yep. change. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's this weird, especially from the edit perspective, you end up coming up with these weird little rituals that become so fucking important to the response that you get on your cut. Um, and uh, I enjoy it. It's strange. It's weird. It's yeah. You know, it's like wipe your feet three times before you sit in my chair. You know, what that's I mean? right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta like, I gotta like get my desk just right before I start editing. Like, and 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 uh, to be totally honest, I am not an editor. I don't edit anything but this show. You do a good job with it, though. So you are. An editor. Thank you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Like I, I've certainly edited. You know, because we we live in that world where you shoot something, you want to put it on a timeline, you want to check it out, whatever. Yep. But. Man, I'm like outside of, I, I came up, I, I like to consider myself part of like the 5D Mark II generation of filmmakers, you know, mm -hmm. that like uh, was shooting on a video camera and everything looked like garbage. And then all of a sudden you bought a 5D Mark II from Best Buy and it was like, oh, whoa, like this <laughs> shit changed my whole life, you know? Yep. Um, and, and that certainly, uh, <laughs> like you shoot, you put it in the timeline, you edit it, you shoot some more, you know, so that's kind of how I became an editor. <laughs> yep. Um, but I, I will never, uh, like no one's going to hire me to edit. And, uh, you know, I, I shot a lot. I really came up in that like documentary commercial 
filmmaking style of of whatever was going on for the last you know 10 years <laughs> and and where it's like hey uh so we just shot 24 hours of footage for a 30 second spot you know it's like <laughs> holy shit yeah. you know so now, now you've got some poor bastard locked in a room like watching every frame to make a 30 second spot and i'm like that's never gonna be me <laughs> well that's i'm the, never gonna be that guy that's the big difference between a professional editor and us and, and yeah and i've done because for quite some time i helped run a post-production studio and so you understand that a big like i'd say 60 percent of editing isn't the actual act of editing like yeah like most of it is like how do i how do i ingest this stuff how do i log this stuff how do i deal with the technical issues that we're having suddenly and we're in the middle of this thing and then how am i backing up my timelines how am i cataloging the work that i'm doing so that way when the client comes back to us and says hey that cut that you did six revisions ago that's yeah. the one we want to go with that's the one the first one we saw that's what we want right and so there's like my old business partner did a really good job at that uh, and i'll give him full credit for his skills as a as an editor because he knew the that the clients are always going to be changing their minds or he understood how to lay out and over organized probably because he was a psychopath but over organized <laughs> his shit to the point where the client would come back and he he would know when they would come back for specific things. And he'd know ahead of time and be like, they're going to want this. And so yeah. that would be put aside in a specific way. That's fucking editing. Uh, yep. the, you know, the craft of telling a story by cutting clips together, that's an artistry. And it, you should also have that. But yeah. at the end of the day, most of your <laughs> most of your crazy world is this other shit. Like, yep, no doubt. Like well, and, and narrative, I mean, you've done a, f a fair amount of, of narrative. Yep. So narrative, a lot of it is like the assistant editor, like logging clips, getting everything in, bringing, getting everything like kind of laid out so that they can look at the script and go, got to have all this stuff, you know? So at least there's a roadmap. And that, that's what I love about, uh, we're definitely shooting documentary style narrative work for the show, Yep. you know? So there is a linear process that's happening and this has to go before that has to go before that has to go before that, or it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, you're not going to cut to him doing something three minutes into the process uh, when you haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so, so that, and, and for me, like whenever we, we sit down and start talking about like, okay, it's going to be a longer cook. This is going to be, you know, uh, this is going to be a process. Um, we start talking about how should we shoot it in regards to the edit. And I always fight for, and if I was a director, I would always fight to shoot things in order if I could, <laughs> you know, because it's just like, oh, now everybody knows the emotion that they're feeling and everybody knows where we're going. And, you know, everybody's gotten to know each other. Um, and we didn't shoot the end of it at the beginning. You know, it's a challenge. Like when you're when you're doing the narrative stuff and you have to shoot things out of fucking sequence because there's uh, so many different variables. It's like, OK, so we only sure. have this actor for three days and we only have this location for fucking six hours. Yeah. So you have all these crazy, crazy variables. And, and that's part of your gig is trying to wrap your head around all this stuff. I remember when we were doing I have to send you because I don't know if you've seen any of it. But when we were doing 12 KM, there's a sequence that happens at the end, which essentially happens in a nightmare world. And yeah. in order to save money, I designed it this way, where it was shot in a blacked out studio with black sand on the ground, and there's no point of reference on the horizon anywhere. Uh -huh. And yeah. so I remember I was working with Crew Dog, and he was just like, 
dude, where the fuck are we? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, what is happening? And I was like, I got it, I got it, I got it. And I was like a crazy man in my head just going like, I understand. I, I think I got it. I think I got it all on paper. And you, you're crossing your fingers and you're hoping. And you're you're like, fuck. Did he walk the right way on here? It, and smaller productions like what we do, you, you don't have a continuity person. No, <laughs> so, it's all on you, man. <laughs> so you're just sort of sitting there going like, did he move his fucking hand like this? And you're asking like the boom op, like, how the fuck did he move his hand in the last shot? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I was just pointing the mic at his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's insanity. And so I, I understand that that uh, the love of that. And the, you know what, dude, cooking food and making food pieces, uh, you can you have that luxury because it is like a step-by-step process, which- yeah kind of requires it's almost more complicated like i've done i did a piece years ago with a chef uh polly uh polly cooks on instagram and we did a couple pieces prior to this which were pretty which were pretty linear where it was like hey bring in the food we'll cook the food we'll make it and then i'll cover it and then i'll do all the hard work in the edit and then yeah I was like, let's do a cinematic piece. Let's do a short film. Let's do uh, a film that is around a chef making a meal for the night. And he had a lot of trouble with it. And and it wasn't until afterwards that I kind of understood like, oh, I'm fucking, I'm blowing up his world here, man. Because his world yeah. is incredibly linear. Yeah. Uh, and so like the idea of like, just have some prep potatoes and we'll pull those out now. And he's like, why are we pulling the potatoes out now? And I'm like, oh, don't worry. In the edit, it's all going to make fucking sense. But... <laughs> He can't see the edit. Yeah, in his brain, he was just like, what the fuck? And so so it was incredibly frustrating. And then as a director after that, I went, "Eh, maybe I shouldn't do this nonlinear shit when it comes to food. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe you should like, you know... uh, I work him into it a little bit, you know. Yeah, I, just throw I, him I, threw, fire, him, you I know? threw him right in the fucking fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny that uh, it's funny you say that because like we scheme and we scheme and we scheme to shoot things differently, like to shoot something different. I don't know if you saw the hunt, which was you know Tom and his dad. Um, no, I haven't, I haven't shooting seen this. pheasant. No, I haven't seen. Okay, this. so so it, it's on the channel, and we we shot that anamorphic. It's actually at this uh, lodge. I think they I think they do something with the birds that make them like disoriented. <laughs> so they <laughs> they take them out there, uh, and then they, they they place birds on the path that you're going to walk. Um, so because it's some really fancy hunting lodge. Okay. Okay. Um, but it was, it was cool. It was great. Um, so we went out there and shot and we had a rough idea, you know, it was going to have some voiceover. It was going to be him and his dad. It was for Thanksgiving and, and you know, whatever. So the, the, the great thing about that piece is that Tom wrote almost every word for it. Wow. And he, so, and, and then we did the voiceover. He came over and spoke into this mic that I'm talking to you on and, and he kind of did the voiceover to the edit. Um, and so it, it was a completely different piece, but we got, it's funny how YouTube works because there's like 14,000 views on that video, you know, like none. Yeah. And like compared to a bunch of the other food stuff that we have. Um, but in the comments, as we start reading it, it's like, I love this format. I would love to see more of this, you know, blah, blah, blah. It just, it, they keep, they keep hitting it, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, the, the idea is to, is to maybe expand. Um, I mean, I, I really want to, I, I want to build an ATBBQ app that you download. Um, I want to charge people for, um, the content that we make so that we can go make better content, you know, whether it's five bucks a month for an app, you know, a streaming app or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just, but build it ourselves. Don't, don't, you know, put it on Amazon or whatever, where you're never going to get anything for it. Sure. 
And uh, for 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 that particular piece, um, with the feedback that we got, like we just we need to go after like the sponsorship, and we need to go after people that you know lodge cast iron, whatever. Shout them out. Like, uh, hey, we're gonna go do some fly fishing, and we're gonna be in the middle of the forest in Colorado, and and you know we want to use your skillet to cook the fish in. So you know, put your hand out. You know, whatever. Sure, sure. Um, and and try and create some of this content that not just foodies can get into, but like the rest of everybody else. Yeah. And be like, oh, I, I see value in this. This is fun. Yeah. You know, this is entertainment. Dude, um, it sounds, I'll, I'll say this. It sounds a fucking amazing. And if you ever want a guest fucking director, I'll totally come down and do it with you guys. Oh, dude. Well, I mean, we're, that, that just sounds like, it sounds like a lot of collaborative fun. Yeah. <laughs> from all sorts of angles, you know? Well, because dude, I really have sort of shifted my career path at this point from like music videos and all that stuff to just straight on narrative and the two films in development, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But the only thing I break away for. Uh, is cooking stuff and and yeah. and this sort of adventure kind of shit because the experience itself is worth it. Like the, that's it. Like there's nothing better than spending a day kicking around with a chef that's making great food or hanging out with folks that are doing something that they fucking love and they're obsessed with. That beats shooting fucking sneakers. That beats shooting fucking beer commercials. That beats yep. all that shit because. At the end of the day, you make a little bit of cash, but you also get to go on these crazy adventures and have this really great fucking food. So, I do yeah, dude, <laughs> that's I and the the adventure. It's funny because I'm sure a lot of filmmakers listen to your show. Uh-huh. Um, the adventure. I'm. I'm. Uh, we're we're prepping for a music video that is going to be shot in Joshua Tree, and um, you know, so we're, I'm sitting here talking to my crew, like, so do we we got to drive, right? We got to drive. We got to take some, you know, tents. We got to, you know, we got to get out there and like the adventure is getting there. Yeah. Shooting it is the job, yep. you know? Yep. Um, but the adventure and the hanging out with all the people that you love and that you want to be with and, and you want to spend time with, that's the, that's what filmmaking is all about. That's what life is all about, you know? A hundred percent. A hundred percent, man. And I'm happy you brought that up because that's what this show's all about. It, it really, yeah. you have to remember that if you get into this business, You've afforded yourself a couple of luxuries. <laughs> one, one, one of the luxuries is, is that you don't have to worry about, you know, <laughs> you're like making money is a bitch. So you can just sort of turn that out the window. Just to yeah, be, exactly. be, be ready to have that anxiety all the time. And once, yeah. you, once you're okay with that, then you're like, okay, look, I don't work seven days a week. I've got, I've got a bunch of time available. So how do I fill that time? And what do I do with that time? And in doing these projects, I used to say all the time when we produced our old music videos, one of my moves was, how much is this video? Because music video budgets suck. And so it's oh, like, terrible. Yeah. It's like, how much is this video? Great. So here's what we're going to do. You guys are going to pay for us to stay wherever the fuck we're going for three more days. Yeah. And we did this, and I've talked about it on the show. We did this uh, prior to COVID, but what I used to do back in the day was anywhere that we went for a music video, uh, Tony, my assistant, his main job was I need you to figure out in that in that town the shittiest bars, the best bars, the, the 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 places that no one goes to. Make a list of that stuff, and we would put it in the budget. And I'd put, take it out of my own fucking money. I'd be like, fuck it, and get a hotel for an additional three days, and either go on a bar safari in that town or go on a food safari in that town, and just really experience the country. Yeah. through that perspective. And it's a luxury that you're afforded when you do this business because your schedule is so fucking crazy. So it doesn't yeah. make a difference, you know? 
I love man. that. Dude, I lo- I miss being in this goddamn COVID prison. I miss It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I miss the shit out of that so much. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, dude, 90 percent of the stuff that that we do as filmmakers uh, that that's a completely fabricated uh statistic. Um <laughs> but it is a lot of it is for us, you know, and w- when it comes down to it, we're, we're shooting for a lot of brands. We, um, we, we make a lot of commercial work to, to sell someone else's product, but there's so much of it is for us. And a lot of that is the time that you're not shooting, you know? Yes. And, and, and I feel like it's important to, to have that. I know like my wife and I, when we travel, uh, we don't really take our kids anywhere. Not yet. They're just at that age. Now we're like, they're ready to go. And they're like, you can't go without us. <laughs> but she, she makes this like, elaborate itinerary that she she essentially like hands it to me and says we can throw this away at any moment it doesn't matter but here's some stuff that we can do that i found on the internet that no one else does you know and it's like the bars to go to and the places to frequent like we went to seattle and just like tore it up and didn't go to one touristy thing except for you know pike place market i love seattle yeah 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 and and so it's such a great place but like uh i i have on the other end of the filmmaking spectrum (laughs) i have uh shot a commercial for a company which I won't name, everybody would know it, um, <laughs> that uh, we f- flew around in a private jet for 12 days. Jesus. It, yeah, exactly. And that's never happened again, never will happen again. But we got to the places that we were going. There were just a few of us. And we basically like, okay, well, we got to get back to the airport. And then we all kind of looked around at each other. and We're like, we don't have to be anywhere. Like we got like a, a chauffeur of the sky, you know? <laughs> so like we would just go and like check, check things out and go eat where we wanted to eat, drink where we wanted to drink and then call the pilots up and like, yep, we'll fire the plane up, you know? <laughs> and we went from the very East coast all the way to the West coast for this commercial. Oh. It just shot and shot and shot. It, it was a dream job. Got paid. Well, this is a good time. Uh, but like that doesn't ever happen. So the stuff in between the shooting uh, usually isn't that extravagant, but it's time that you have to take. It's time that you have to spend with the people that you want to spend it with, you know? Uh, sometimes you have those gigs and sometimes, God damn, it's been a while since I've had a crazy gig like that, but I don't think I've ever said it on the show and I think I can say it on the show. So I'm going to fuck it. We'll do it. Uh, uh, we did a job years ago. <laughs> years, yeah. year- I'm about to get in trouble. Yeah, years <laughs> ago I did a gig for... Um, for lifestyle lifestyle condoms so i did a gig for lifestyle years and years ago and uh we ended up it was out here and we were still east coast so we ended up flying out to los angeles and for whatever reason the production had us coming out here for like five or six days it was ridiculous and so there was like this amount of prep time and so they put us up in this amazing hotel and i remember (laughs) it's the most unprofessional story i remember uh (laughs) shooting this 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 commercial the day after we went on this insane bar safari through los angeles like ridiculous and and normally i don't do this i don't do this before shoot but it just so happened to be that so we went out we went on the shoot we're out there before and we're fucking thrashing uh for till like 3 a.m or something and then the next morning because it was kind of a knockout of the park shoot where you're like i can do this with my eyes closed yeah yeah yeah. easy so like the next day we're riding to set in i'm in the back of an suv 
and I'm trying to keep my shit together emotionally. I'm trying to keep my shit together physically. And we're riding in this SUV and, and my partner at the time looks at me and he goes, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, what do you mean? He had been out all night too. I was like, don't be an asshole. The clients are like in the front of the truck. I was like, don't, yeah, you're about to puke yeah, on your shoes. Don't be an yeah. asshole. He's like, you're looking pale, man. You're looking gross. And so we end up driving, and I've never done this before, and I've never done this since. And we end up driving into this super fancy, probably like Beverly Hills neighborhood where like the, it's California and they have green manicured grass on the fucking sidewalks, you know? Yeah, so it's like nowhere exactly. ever except for there. Yeah, yeah. And so like I get there and I'm trying to hold my shit together and I was shooting, I was, I was the DP. So I'm trying to hold my shit together and uh, climb out of the SUV. And, and I was like, I turned to my partner and I was like, just... Distract the clients, distract the clients. So it's a boy in the clients. And I just throw up. I'm throwing up all over this beautiful sidewalk, this beautiful, beautiful thing. Walk around in the back of the truck, wipe my face, grab the camera. I'm like, let's go, let's go shoot. <laughs> let's get this over with. Oh, God damn. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a blast. And we killed yeah, the, we I, killed. I, I certainly it. have some war stories as well. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to throw yourself on the sword like I do in this show. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> uh, but dude, I love it. The life of of it is worth everything to me. I think that you know we make a lot of uh, concessions, like uh, you're changing your your path, and it takes so fucking long to get into that position where you're yeah, where you're doing yeah. that. I mean, how long did it take you uh, to finally feel like you you had made it? How how many years were you in? I mean, I I still don't. You know, I don't know. I still don't know if I consider myself made it if that's it you know if that's a thing it's uh, like oh dude I just, all right like, come on you've got a fucking successful show on youtube well no i i get that but as a just in as an individual like just to myself like i i, I work around so many people and i've i've been a part of some things that are so much bigger and so much you know out there you know for for me um that it's tough to consider that I did. I will say that when I was in film school, I went to film school at, at Full Sail okay. in Winter Park, Florida, and uh, 03, 04. And I said at that moment, the, the 16 millimeter, like the first 16 millimeter class, we're building the SR3. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to be in camera department. You know, like that was the writing on the wall. And I went there as an editor. Wow. <laughs> like, I want an edit. Uh, but like, so I've always wanted to be a part of camera. And then I, I didn't really know what a cinematographer was. Everybody else was shooting skate films when they got started, you know, and, and I, I shot a wakeboard film, you know, <laughs> uh, which is like the same thing just on the water. Right. Um, but, you know, pr less broken bones. But um, I've always wanted to be a part of the camera uh, crew. And it's one of the things that I, I, I tell people that are getting into it. It's like a gaffer. Um, you know, your grips, your, 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 your technical people that are out there like making it happen and like setting lighting and all that kind of stuff. They, they go, they go, they go. And then they, they kind of sit back and they wait to be called. And when you're on camera department, you never get a break. Yeah. You know, you are, there's always something to be doing all day, uh, which brings us from, you know, going out, having a great time to, shooting is a lot of work, you know, like they, mm -hmm. even though like it seems like this, like um, it is an amazing job. It's an amazing job. But when, when I try to tell my wife, like I'm prepping for a, a, a feature right now mm -hmm. and I'm like, listen, it's going to be a ton of work. It's going to be like 20 days of, of, you know, all day and night just working our ass off, you know, mm -hmm. and prepping for it. 
and knowing that is better than prepping for it and not knowing that, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> um, because I've, I've never shot a feature before. Um, so like just the preparation for it uh, makes me a little nervous of like how much work it is, you know? Yeah. And so I think when I finish, I, I, I don't ever look at a movie and say, what a piece of garbage. Maybe I do. But first I say, man, there are a lot of people that spend a lot of time making that. Yes, for sure. For sure. You know, <laughs> and you've been there. Yep. So to, to sit there and like damn someone for their crappy work or whatever, uh, which is your opinion. Um, I just, I, I, I can, I can maybe find peace with it later, but someone, someone spent a lot of time and effort putting together, putting that thing together, you know? Yeah, dude. It, like it, I said this all the time, even if like you watch a piece of shit, right? You see, you see something on TV or on, on Netflix and you're like, man, that sucked. It's like the yeah. fact that it got there is a fucking miracle. The fact no that doubt. it made it through that whole process that is a happened. miracle. And you really have to pay, like pay attention to that and go like, this, this is respectable. All, yeah. all the stuff and all the hard work that was put into this thing was very respectable. Now, granted, the the leaders at the top or whatever sort of system made that piece fall into whatever category on Rotten Tomatoes that it falls into. For sure. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. not necessarily the fault of all the team that brought all that shit together. And they're, they're yeah. fucking hustling, dude. And camera, this is the reason why I got out of it. Camera department is so relentless where, yeah. you know... You're either lugging cases, moving shit around, you're fucking charging batteries over and over again, you're dealing with like data transfers, you're doing a hundred different things and it's all technically falling on you. And then let's be honest about equipment. Gear is a temperamental bitch. So, no doubt. <laughs> so like you're like right in the middle of doing something, you're like the lens for it's the fucking camera body. I don't know how to take it yeah. off. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's a nightmare, and so yeah. And then you got all the people staring at you, like, "Hey, we got to move," and you're like, "Uh, (laughs) "I don't really know what to tell you, but you're gonna have to give me a minute." (laughs) Exactly. And then when you're, because I've been that director that hustles those folks, you know what I mean? So like, if my assistant camera person's like, "Dude, you got to give me a get a minute," and I'm like, "We don't have the time. Go with it." And then I'm in the edit room, and I'm like, "I'm an asshole. This whole thing's out of fucking focus, and it's not that." camera assistant's fault and oftentimes you'll be sitting with a producer who's like who hired that fucking camera assistant what's that camera yeah. assistant's name and you're like dude that's my fault i hustled them too hard and what they yeah. needed was the time to do this shit and there's this constant battle on set between you know gotta get your days done everything costs a fucking fortune gotta get my coverage for the shoot and then examining it as a as a planner going was i being unrealistic here and yeah you could see it on your team you could, it's, you know, I don't know if you notice this when you're working on shoots and it, you'll notice this when you do a feature. Um, there's like this weird energy that carries through a crew, right? So you have yeah. like your, your first, your early morning, first day, early morning crew where they all show up and everybody's sort of like finding their pecking order and everybody's like, Hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you in years. High five, high five, all that kind of shit. And you're like, okay, so the first shot's going to take two hours. <laughs> Like yeah, it's, and it's probably not going to be the best yeah, one either. Yeah, it's going to take two <laughs> hours. So then you set the fucking thing up, you do your first shot, and you're like, all right, all right, let's go on to the next. And you go on to the next, and then maybe your third shot, it's fucking killer, right? It, like, it's starting yeah. to come together, and you're like, yeah. And then everybody, like, walks around, they high-five each other and shit. And you're like, all right, all right, stop high-fiving, let's continue, continue. <laughs> yeah. And so then you do, like, your fourth shot, and you're like, okay, that's great, okay, we're on a roll now. And then the AD comes over and goes, okay, it's lunchtime. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then, no, we can't eat today. Yeah, so the, <laughs> it's going too well. <laughs> so then it's lunchtime and everybody does their lunch shit. And then after that lunch shit, everybody's high-fiving each other during lunch. And then after, everybody's like, man, feeling uh, heavy, feeling slow. And so then you just try to find that fucking rhythm again. And the next, yeah. the next thing you know, you're like turning to your fucking craft service person. You're like, go grab a bunch of fucking coffees. Grab crap. Yeah. Grab cocaine. <laughs> coffee. Grab cocaine. Fire whatever the fuck it is. Get these guys going again. And then they start to ramp up again. And then it's like three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, perfect, 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 perfect. And then it just falls. It's. Yep. I don't know if you experienced the same thing, but there's this weird emotional physical rhythm that happens every time I do a shoot. No, it, absolutely. And and the more days. The more day I want to go back because what you said, um, uh, you know, if there's a producer or something, you know, who hired this guy mm-hmm. to to have to have the nuts to to look at someone and say, no, 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 that that's on me, um, which I've had to do before for my my first AC because I. I didn't, I didn't prep lenses. We didn't have time to prep lenses. And we had like, we're shooting 16 millimeter. We had a, a nine and a half millimeter lens that was not like, it, it wouldn't get past like uh, six feet at infinity. <laughs> and we used it for a shot. It made it in the cut because we had to have it. And, you know, at the end of everybody's looking at it and I know that they're thinking, you know, Hey, Dave screwed that up. And I'm like, I, I like, I put it out to everybody. Like that's on me. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I didn't give him the time to do what he does best, which is prep every single thing. Yeah. You know? And so, but you, you have to, you have to be able to own that. Um, and, and as far as like the energy goes, I, I see this all the time. This happens on our barbecue show too, just at a much, much smaller scale. But like the the longer the longer shoot schedule you have, let's say it's a, a fourteen day shoot schedule or something like that. Yep. Like you really like it takes it takes three or four days before you're like cruising at sixty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and everybody's kind of doing their thing. And like you said, that each individual day has its ups and downs. I was uh, doing a shoot for this college, and we were cruising away. Yeah, everything was great. And then all of a sudden, we got down to this like black box, like kind of theater oh. um, that didn't have good lighting. And like we were trying to make something out of it. And, like thirty minutes later, like the whole crew's like sitting in the seats. Oh. They're just like you know, like, like, just the wind got sucked out of them because it looks so bad yeah you know and so we're like trying to like also drag everything off of the truck down into this you know down two sets of stairs and all this stuff you know so that like that energy like i we just i said let's break and we we cruised out and we went to uh yeah we we went outside and got some fresh air and i went back down with the director and we figured it out yeah smart you know smart and that 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 had to happen because the crew was like i hate this job (laughs) you know they 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 were over it (laughs) well it's uh but you know we got them back that's the thing i I mean we i i really I, i try to shoot as much film as i can because i I love the workflow of film. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that like people are, no one checks out and they're just like, no one's on their phone. No one's Instagramming. They're like, they're there, they're present, you know, because we're spending money, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And so that that's one of the things on set that you can feel is like, everybody's excited because you know, you're loading a mag and you're putting a new mag on the camera and you know, this is, it's, it, they're making a movie, they're shooting film. And you know, so that that's one of the that's one of the things that I really love about like our crew is that they're all into it. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about uh, music videos, that's what I try to do. It's like, how much money do we have for the music video? Two grand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, then uh, I'm going to shoot film, and we're going to spend all of that money on film. 
<laughs> you know, and, 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 and then we'll get something out of it because we get to like practice that, that craft, you know? Um, yeah. And I like just a couple of years ago, I bought a film scanner. I bought, um, a black magic Sintel. Oh no shit. And I, I kept talking to everybody around me on my crew. I'm like, my next digital camera is going to be a scanner, <laughs> you know? And it, it, it is. And I, I, I offer the service. I have a company called Midwest Film Co that, um, offers scanning, processing and scanning. I work with a lab mm-hmm. um, to process, but just trying to bring affordable, uh, the, the ability to shoot film affordably, right, <laughs> you know, right, right. because you're not going to send it to Photochem and shoot film affordably. <laughs> There's nothing against Photochem. They're the cream <laughs> of the crop. Yeah. Top of the top, you know. Right. But when it comes to wanting to shoot a music video or a, a short film or even a feature on film, uh, that's your entire budget goes to that. And that can't happen. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that's wild, man. That's cool. That's a, I, yeah. and then you, you bring up a good point. I haven't shot film since film school, and you you bring up a good point on how it changes the the whole vibe on set, how the perspective of everything changes on set. Um, For sure, you know, and this is something that even doing photography and my girlfriend Gina's big into photography. She's a fashion photographer and been doing that stuff for ages. When you're shooting film, when you're handing off a film camera as opposed to shooting with a DSLR, it's a big difference and. Yeah, you know, you have an exposure of twenty four on there, so you're like, there's a freedom to it where you're you're almost less concerned about the details. Strangely, because yep. you would think you'd be more concerned about the details, but you're not. You're just sort of like, yep. let's see what this is gonna do. Blah, 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 blah. And you shoot. It's nicer, man. It's it's a lot more freeing. And then I always say for post production, like the the selection process is a lot easier because then you're not, yeah. you know, at least with still stuff, you're not sorting through fucking six thousand fucking photographs that you were shooting like a fucking uh, like an automatic machine gun like oozing through it you know what i mean yeah, yeah. i've got a 1dx mark ii man i understand that like the you know and at that, I got it. at that point you're like in the post looking at it in lightroom or whatever and you're like shoot me shoot me like there's so many of them uh, yeah you know um it's there's so there's a value to that that i think a lot of folks don't understand it and honestly it's not your fault because we're sold the ease we're sold like everything's easier everything's cheaper because you know it doesn't cost as much money and you know you're not burning through cash and yeah, yeah you're not but also and you know crude is always trying to get me to shoot film and i'm always like <laughs> i'm always like no <laughs> just because i know of the edit stuff that i'm consistently trying to repair for sure. And, you know, but I still believe in running a set like it is a film shoot. And I, yep. I, I totally believe in being prepped and having everybody at full attention. And I kind of envy, I kind of want to be that Tarantino prick where like he shows up to set. If you go to his set, he's like, here's a basket. Put your cell phones in a basket. You know, like you're yep. not allowed to use them on set. If I see you using them on set, we're going to fucking hassle you. <laughs> but he's right, man, because... For you to be there, like if you get an opportunity to work on a feature, for you to be there, you won the fucking lottery. Like you yeah. want to, or your best friend won the lottery. or, yep, or and they brought you along. Yeah, <laughs> dude. And so like respect that. And not in a level where it's like you need to respect him, but in the level of like you're going after this movie's made. And if this movie does really well, even if it doesn't do really well, you're going to be looking back on this 20 years from now going, what was this like again? I, I missed this. I missed the si- yeah. situation that I'm in. You know, I 
I love your uh, uh, your your best friend won the lottery because um, I, I don't like to tell this story because it feels braggy. Um, <laughs> and I even think that Tom mentioned it uh, <laughs> on the show. But so I work with a director. His name is Dre Singer. Mm-hmm. And he worked at Panavision for the better part of five or six years, maybe more, maybe less. I don't know. Um, but he actually lives with the VP of marketing for Panavision Woodland Hills. Cool. So we have a really great relationship with Panavision um, and the ability to kind of get camera equipment, do all that kind of stuff. Well, Dre working through Panavision, uh, I don't know what you would call him now, but like if PTA is shooting something, he's there. <laughs> so like Dre, he, he'll hire camera department. He'll, you know, and PTA did, um, hundred percent fresh with Adam Sandler, one filming of it, um, at the El Rey in Hollywood uh-huh. or El Rey. Not, uh, is that right? Yes. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah, that yeah, is right. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, it's been a minute. And, uh, anyway, uh, Dre said, I don't know. Paul said something about needing a, a backup camera operator because he loves to, he loves to operate and he he'll have a, a backup just in case he wants to dip the camera off and have someone else do it. And so, I show up and, and, you know, we, we go to the, the, the like kind of, I don't know, test shoot the day before they're doing a little run through, but really what they're doing is they're, they're making sure like they wanted to watch the dailies of the film. Yep. And so we're there that day. Don't even meet Paul that day. A lot of stuff going on. And then the next day in the morning, we show up to photo cam where, you know, Paul and Mike Bauman, his gaffer and uh, like this select group of people are all sitting in this tiny little you know, projector room at photo chem watching the dailies. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, how did I get here? Um, I got here because Dre <laughs> works with Paul and Paul loves Dre. Yeah. So anyway, on the way out, uh, Dre was like, Hey Paul, this is your assistant or, you know, your, your backup cam op. And, and he runs up to me. He's like, Hey, how you doing? You know, and he starts talking about camera or, you know, lens choices and all this stuff. We're shooting 35 millimeter naturally because it's Paul. Sure. And, uh, we start talking about film choices, uh, uh, lens choices and all this stuff. And, and we, we get there and well, maybe one of the coolest things that ever happened in my entire life was we're sitting right at the stoplight outside of uh photo chem and Paul pulls up in his BMW, rolls down his window, sticks his hand out, flips us off and takes <laughs> off down the road. And I'm like, that's a PTA thing, you know, uh, <laughs> but uh, should have been rolling on that shit, dude. Um, but, uh, you know, so then we get to the, we get to the theater, uh, one thing led to another and I operate the entire time. Wow. Handheld. Wow. That's awesome. So, you know, and that, that's the last time I worked with them, although I've had opportunities since I just couldn't make it work getting out there. Um, but it's those little opportunities, uh, that you look back on and you're like, you know, so it's just the stars and moons aligned and, and here you are. You know, you're, uh, I was actually, we were going to shoot two days. I don't know if I should say this It's probably fine, sure. but, um, we were going to shoot two days in Philadelphia, uh, for Radiohead uh-huh. and do like a live, um, essentially they were doing two nights there and we were going to shoot them both live, um, 35 millimeter. Wow. Um, and then that fell through like at the last second I was shooting in Maine. Um, when I got that call and I was just like, Oh dude, <laughs> like what a bummer, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah you but yeah, so, so anyway, that's, that, that's really the, that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing I've worked on. And I mean, I shouldn't say that because everything that I work on with my crew and, and all across the country is like, it's all a bunch of fun. Well, sure. You know? Sure. Okay. It's all well, a great time. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's phrase it this way. 
because that's that's what you go to film school thinking that you're going to do, right? So you're yeah, like, ultimately, exactly. that's what we're going to do. So how many years after film school was that? How many, like, how long did that take you to get in that scenario? Mm, that, probably 13, 14 years, you know. But but in, I mean, in all honesty, I live in Kansas. Sure. So, you know, like I know I've got a lot of buddies that I've known for a really long time or that I've, I've I went to film school with that have, moved to New York city or moved to Chicago or moved to LA and they're, they're in it. But those people, you know, it wasn't because they went to film school. It wasn't because they moved to LA. It's because that's the work ethic that they have. Right. Like they, they're those people that are not going to stop. And, and it's arguably maybe even harder today to like break into that industry because everybody's a cinematographer, everybody's a, everybody's a director and they're on the internet talking about it. And that's fine. I mean, it's cool. It's great that there's so many people and, and outside of our industry, I'm sure, uh, you know, people don't even know what a cinematographer is, so it doesn't matter, <laughs> but we're aware of it, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but because back in the day you're and this still happens, but I showed up, on a PTA shoot and operated camera. <laughs> that is not something that happens. I mean, th- th- that doesn't happen very often. There's other people that may be out there listening to this podcast. They're like, happened to me, you know, <laughs> but that's not something that happens. Typically they're like, Hey kid, take this walkie and go stand by that door. Don't let anybody in, yeah, you right, know, right, right. like that's how you, that's how you work your way up, you know? But I mean, even like Jeff Porter was my first assistant and um, I start looking at his IMDB and I'm like, Holy shit, dude, this guy's done it all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, you know, the, the other people, uh, uh, running cameras, like the uh, second AC for Chris Nolan, you know, <laughs> like there, there, there's a, there's a laundry list of people in that room. Uh, Ari Robbins was supposed to do steady cam. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, like that doesn't happen, uh, as much. Well, that certainly doesn't happen at all, but, but to work like your work ethic and your ability to be available and, to, and to be down to, to better whatever it is that you're a part of, that's how you get where you're going, yeah. you know, and, and, and to genuinely do it. You can't fake that. Yeah. You know, like you can't fake the love of something, you know, you just can't. So you, you have to really, really be into it and people will see that on your face. They will see that in your action. They will see that in your work ethic, dude. And you will go a long way. Well, dude, and it's credit to you and anybody listening. This is the point. This guy lives in Kansas, okay? <laughs> so, so like, there's a the level of you know the, your years that you spent at Full Sail and meeting and doing the networking, which is paying off for you later on because those those connects are still putting you in environments that give you those situations, which is phenomenal. But then on top of it, you're really not waiting on that shit. You're doing your own fucking thing, and yeah. you're doing your own thing uh, really well and taking advantage of YouTube uh, at such a, it's such a great way where you're not feeding the beast, you're having the beast just be the outlet for your shit, which I think is exactly. really smart. And, and then those of you listening that continuously write to me every week going, do I need to move to LA? Do I need to move to New York? You <laughs> don't need to specifically. Uh, you can still do this stuff anywhere as long as you, like you said, have a fucking work ethic. And yeah, and you and I haven't met each other in real life. I'm sure we no. will, but you yeah. sound like a fucking rad dude. You sound like the type of guy that I would want on my sets. Um, and you could just tell. And those of you listening, take note. 
It, it's the, it's that tone of voice. Obviously, Justin loves his gig. Obviously, yeah. obviously, and that, that's so fucking important. And it isn't from like a perspective of like an elitism perspective where a, a, a lot of you motherfuckers listening to the show feel like you're elitists. You're not. <laughs> this, this job is such a, I don't want to say it's not a custodial job, but it's, it's such a blue collar gig. You know what I mean? No like, yeah. like the actual camera department world, the lighting department world, the fucking wardrobe department world. It is really a, almost like a service industry, blue collar job. Um, I, I'm jumping for a quick second because I've said this uh, for a really long time and maybe it's not the best thing to say, but we're blue collar workers with white collar pay. Yes. And, and, and that, that is what the film industry, because you work a lot of hours and you grind and you grind away. But at the end of the day, it's like, that's oh, a pretty good payday. Yeah. You know, it's not bad. <laughs> it totally, yeah. And it, I always give my my buddy shit, my dudes that were on uh, union fucking lighting crews where they're like, ah, fucking today was rough. I go, they served you fucking lobster tails and fucking brisket off the <laughs> off the catering truck today. That was craft services. That wasn't even fucking like that is that isn't your lunch. That's craft services. Yeah. <laughs> Someone walked around with a tray full of fucking brisket. And you were eating that shit. I was like, there, you know how many plumbers want that? <laughs> you know, it's... Brisket it, lunch. Yeah. Right in the middle of the plum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, ma'am, I'm knee deep in your toilet, but can you bring me in some of all those lobster tails? That'd be great. Thanks so much. Uh, no, dude, this job is... This, look, this business is great. And you had to remember that there is light at the end of the tunnel, but you also got to remember that it's a long goddamn process to get there and enjoy it enjoy yeah. it like enjoy these moments and even if you are just an assistant um i don't know if i talked about this on the show but i'll tell this story uh back in the day when i worked with tone and he was my assistant i asked him because I, I was peddling off some of my grindhouse you know smut that i had made. yeah <laughs> and so i realized at the time like hey it's a I could probably make some cash if I go to like comic cons and comic conventions and stuff and I'll rent a fucking table and I'll pedal off my DVDs. Nice. Uh, and so I turned to my assistant tone and I said to him like, look, I can't pay you, but you know, if you come work this table with me, I need extra hands. So if you come work this table with me for like a weekend, I will make, I, well, let's do this. I say that I will spend all of the profits that I make on this table on a bar safari. So we'll go on a bar safari and we'll go on an adventure. And he was like, really? And I go, all the profits that we make. And he's like, okay. So then, of course, there's a hustle at that point. So you go and you're fucking selling and you're selling. And we sold, I want to say we sold almost like four grand worth of shit. Like it was oh like, it was God. like a good pull. You know what I mean? And, and afterwards I was like, fuck. <laughs> so... So, That's a lot of booze. Yeah. So then he was like, all right, all right. And I go, dude, I'm right there with you. I'm going to take my taxes out of this. And then we're good to go. And we went and booked uh, an amazing hotel in the Lower East Side. And we were there for like three days. And we bar safaried every day. It was like 12 bars a day. And just oh my. went on this adventure and blew our way through it. And, you know, it isn't a sexy thing. Working a table is not a sexy thing. Setting up fucking... C stands is not a sexy thing. Like th that's not the shit that people are fucking Instagramming going, you know, hashtag blessed. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking hard work. 
and it's brutalizing work that will beat the fuck out of your body. Like I currently have a hip that's impacted from my years of camera work. So like it, it beats the fuck out of you. But if you understand if you're a solid person and you're a genuine person that people want to be around and people want to go on these things with you, you're going to have all these life experiences that are worth their weight in gold, worth their fucking weight in gold. Well, and, and for, for all the people out there that are just getting into it, um, I mean, like I said, we started a YouTube show by accident. You know, we just, we needed something to do. You know, we needed a way to spend our time that was better than we were currently spending it. Yeah. And so, and I had a camera and this guy knows how to cook, you know? <laughs> and so we just started and, and today, I mean, if you think about what we do, we shoot every single week. And we release two episodes a week currently. Yeah. You know, so it is a, it's a lot of hours doing the same thing. And, and a lot of times, you know, we look around and we stare at each other and we're like, like, is this it for us? Like, is this what we're doing for the rest of our lives? You know, like (laughs) no one's going to tell us to stop, you know? And so for, for what, for what it's worth, um, we continue to, think about how we're going to change our set. We continue to think about how we can shoot the show better. Uh, Tom shows up prepared. Tom shows up ready to go. He's got, he's got some ideas that he's thought through. He dug around the internet for the history of this or, you know, what, like, so instead of just like boohooing and, you know, (laughs) woe is me, we're just shooting a YouTube show. We just continue to raise the bar for ourselves because no one else cares. I mean, I hope that everybody else out there cares, but for us, like in our, where, where we work, where we live, like we're it, we only answer to us, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so for us to go, you know, there's going to be a big time makeover, uh, on the patio on our set. And I'm concerned about it because I like how it looks right now. And it's just a sign you know, but we're talking about like painting the wall matte black and putting some wood elements and some shelves and stuff like that. And I'm freaked out because I'm freaked <laughs> out that like we've gotten this lighting and everything where it needs to be. And everybody knows when they see that, that that's Chef Tom and that's ATBBQ. Like, am I going to go, hey, can we just get it put back the way it was? <laughs> you know, because I'm not, you know, I'm not art department. I don't know anything about that stuff. I just I'm Googling around on Pinterest, you know. Sure, um, sure, sure. But I guess my point is, is that everybody has a camera now. And if you don't have a camera, they're cheap. Go buy something cheap, but go do it and go, go figure out. I mean, we're living in a great time, dude. I just got, I just got served an ad for two, you know, Nanlite aperture led knockoffs for like one fifty. buy one, get one free. Yeah. 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 I mean, come on. Like you sure it's going to overheat might burn your house down. I hope not, (laughs) but it's like you have these tools available to you. Um, that when I was coming up and certainly when you were coming up, like and all film equipment is expensive, but man, when not, like now everybody's knocking it off Yeah, and a light's a light's a light. Sure. may not be the best CRI or whatever they call it, but you know, go out there and make something, do something now and then watch it back and go, I can do that better. Yep. That's you it. Know? That's it, man. And you get to learn as you're making shit. And you get to make shit. And then people know you as someone that's making shit. Yep. That's, that's the most important thing is that. And you, you only get better. You only get better by screwing it up. You got it, dude. That's it. <laughs> 
Look, man, I think this has been fucking great. I'm at that point where I got to wrap up the show, but uh, we could talk for another two hours, man. So, oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, been... we should do it again, even if it uh, isn't on this little like weird recording thing staring at me in the face. <laughs> yeah. We know it's an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> Look, I'm fucking dead serious. I will come down and be a guest on your show and be fucking happy about it. So, Dude, let, let, let's do it. I mean, yeah. Tom and I, uh, like I said, we we answer to us. So, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we could certainly get you down here and put you on the show. And it would be even it would even be greater if we could come to you. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Dude, I don't see you why know? not. Like, let's let's get out of this COVID shit. Why not? Yeah, let's do it. No doubt. Let's get an Airbnb in the desert and go, you know, have a Yoder dropped off there. Dude. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, you've already given a ton of great advice, so I don't think we get to do that wrap up. But um, oh, I love it. I, I just, you. dude, uh, once again, the show's great. For anybody listening that hasn't checked it out, please go check out his show. Uh, they both are killing it, him and Tom. Uh, I'll make sure all the links are below. And you guys hear me talk about it all the time on the episode. And uh, hey, guess what? I was able to blend my love of barbecue and filmmaking on this episode. So any of you fucking naysayers. <laughs> we did it. Uh, all right. So thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, Justin, thanks for being on. Thanks a lot. So that's our episode. Another good one. Man, ugh, I can't wait to hang out with these dudes. And I wasn't joking. You guys listen to the show. I will totally come down. I will work on an episode with you guys. You guys create a series. Reach out. I will totally direct some of that stuff. And why? Because they sound like great dudes. Because it's about food. And because you know the adventure is going to be a blast. And I hope you guys, if anything got that from this episode and I was trying to crowbar it in there a couple of times like at the end of the day when you decide that you're going to take on this job if you decide that you're going to become a filmmaker and you are confronting the fact that it's not going as planned for you right I went to film school I'm supposed to be on the DP of Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie I'm supposed to be uh, making my own film why is this taking so long all these YouTube videos that I watch says that all I have to do is this and this and that and this happens <laughs> right how come I'm not the one that has uh, 200 fucking million views on my channel right well the truth of the matter is, is that there's a lot of behind the scenes shit that goes on and sometimes you have to take full advantage of what is coming at you you have to be aware of how you can take advantage of what access you do have it's no strange thing that Justin's family owns that company. I think it's a great thing that he did, where he's like, this is a great way to bring revenue to this business, is if I create really good content, and then had his own principles that he abides by, where it's like, I'm not just making an advertisement, I'm making solid content. I'm actually supporting an industry. I'm supporting folks that wanna learn how to do this. And I'm working with a talented chef, right? So I'm, I'm allowing, his storytelling ability to go further, to go beyond just the plate of food, to go beyond the flavors that he's crafting, and to get into the worldwide knowledge base, right? We're all one thinking brain at this point, right? What? I, I don't wanna get on that road. But, um, so I was super excited about today's show. So I hope that you guys realize that if it takes that long, 
It's okay. If you feel like it's not happening fast enough, that's normal. It's okay. And while you're doing it, make sure that you're aware and you're present because you're going to be looking back on these early years of your career as the best time. I'm telling you, you'll be on your sets later on in life. You'll have a huge crew of people and you'll be sitting there going, there was this one time when I did this thing that's really interesting. And I, I, I don't know if I've talked about these stories in the past, but I'll, I'll, I'll spin a yarn for you guys if you want. Let's talk about some of the early days, early days of filmmaking for me. Okay, so when I got into this business, you've heard my stories of how I worked for a local um, corporate video producer and I learned lighting through his DPs. I learned how to do that. But when I made the jump into films and into doing narrative films, I decided that I was living on the Cape at the time. So if you guys are familiar with Boston East Coast, there's a spot called Cape Cod, which is essentially at the very tail of Massachusetts. It's literally an island that you have to go over either one of two bridges to get to, right? I lived there year-round for a period of time. That's where I met that local producer. And I decided that I wanted to get more into films and narrative films, which meant that I had to drive an hour and a half off Cape, which if you're living on Cape, that's like the, uh, the other country, you know what I mean? So I had to drive off Cape to go up to Boston to work on independent films. And my in was that I knew a little bit about lighting because I had really gotten good at it with the corporate video stuff. So I ended up talking my way on to a couple of producers' films. I worked with a great producer-director, Chris Burke, for years. He hired me, he gave me my first DP position. So I actually shot a couple of his films, learned a lot on his stuff, and then uh, moved on from there and I met um, a great sound guy for one of my short films that I did. And uh, he gave me good advice, David Schwartz. He gave me really great advice and he said, look, you gotta get off the Cape, you gotta work on other people's films, come on up and I'll introduce you to my friends, the crews that are up here. Took a full advantage of that and ended up uh, getting hired on a short, no, was it a feature? Yeah, I can't remember, I think it was a feature. Uh, it felt like a short because it was so low buck. Um, I ended up working on this tiny little film. I don't remember who the director was. And uh, I learned a lot at that point because both Dave and I ended up becoming the safety people on this film and we were consistently talking about the hours that were spent and the prep that was in it and the prep that wasn't into it, dealing with producers and being a crew person that was looking out for my fellow crew people. But I remember one night, or one day we were shooting, <laughs> we were shooting in like the shittiest part of Alston, which is like a suburb of Boston. It's kind of like Rock Alston City, Rat Alston City. We were shooting in this like really shitty neighborhood. And uh, I had a bunch of lights outside. So I obviously it's a small budget, so I'm dealing with smaller units. So I had a bunch of like 1Ks. I had a bunch of small tungsten units peppering through the windows. And uh, we were just looking at the weather. And there was this big fucking dark cloud rolling in. And I was kind of stressed out because I had all this electricity, had all these lights outside. We really didn't have the money for like the weather support that you would normally have. And so I remember I was talking to the producers. I'm like, guys, we got to stop. We got to stop and let the storm pass. We can't be doing this shit outside. I'm concerned about safety. And um, they reluctantly agreed. 
And we ended up uh, climbing out to this front porch. Now this was an apartment that's like, we called them shotgun apartments. Essentially, there are these long houses that go on the back that are split in half so that these landlords can make as much money as they can. And so <clears throat> we're on one side and on the other side, there's this weird group of people, right? So we're sitting out on the front porch and we're watching the storm roll in. <laughs> and we look next to us and this guy pops out of this house, of this apartment. And he looks like he's on crack, right? He's super skinny and he comes popping out of this apartment. And then his buddy comes out and they're pulling out a full-size plastic kiddie pool, right? So we watch them bring this kiddie pool out in the front lawn, lay it out, right? Now there's a fucking, we're talking like, you know, uh, Independence Day cloud rolling at us in the sky. Like it's a fucking dark storm. It had been a hot day. You know, shit's changing. You know what I mean? So these guys pull out this pool, set it up. <laughs> then uh, this woman comes out and she's like in this bikini top. Looks like she hasn't showered in like two weeks. She comes out of this place and uh, they all sort of get together and they huddle on the front lawn. Now we're we're on, we're shut down at this point. So we're just hanging out. I think Dave's smoking a cigarette and I'm watching. And uh, so then the guys break. They sort of do like a huddle and they break. And they run. And I watch one of the dudes run into the house. The other guy starts to set things up. And the woman runs across the street. <laughs> so the guy comes out of the house and he's got old school metal lawn chairs, right? The kind that have like sort of the rubber strapping is the seat. And this guy goes, brings them out, three of them, sets them up in the kiddie pool, puts them in the center of the dry kiddie pool, right? The other guy comes out with his radio, sets up his radio and has a cooler of beer. <laughs> the woman, you hear this yell from across the street and she's barreling full speed with the neighbor's hose and she's running as fast as she can and she's got it on and it doesn't have like a hose attachment on it. It's just pissing out limp water, you know, and she's barreling across the street. Meanwhile, in the sky, strikes of lightning streaking across the sky, like beautiful shit. The kind of stuff that you only see in the Midwest, right? And that's, 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 that's backlighting this woman who's screaming and barreling in a tiny bikini top across the street with a hose and limp water. And it catches. Like she's run out of hose. She falls back in the street. Water spilling all over her. <laughs> Thunder and lightning. And so then she's hit her limit. And it dawns on me where I'm like, they're stealing someone else's water. <laughs> Why? Don't we have a hose attachment on the house? Was there water shut off? Like, how does this work? So she's in the middle of the street. She stands herself up in a little flip-flops. And she just puts the hose between her legs and she's thumbing it. She's trying to shoot this water into the kiddie pool with the two guys sitting in metal chairs and thunder and lightning streaking across the sky. And Dave and I are sitting on that front porch going, this is our life. <laughs> this is what our life is. We're sitting here getting paid to watch these crackheads <laughs> try to fill a pool with water in the middle of a thunderstorm. And I'm telling you, that is a memory that I don't often think about, and that's probably circa 2003, okay? So that'll give you a time period, and that will stick with me for a long time. And I have so many of these stories, so many places that I've been, and I'll try to give you guys some of them as we, we do this episode. 
or this podcast series rather. Um, but I love these stories. They're what make my life interesting. And I couldn't have got them without this business and I couldn't have got them without just being a crew person in these jobs, right? So remember, if it feels like you're not going anywhere, if it feels like you're doing this stuff and you're not getting something out of it, that's probably because you're not looking around. It's probably because you're not making the most out of that situation. You know? Anyway, I hope that helps. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know I did. I know I'm going to be pals with these guys. The All Things Barbecue story is not over. I'm sure there will be a future chapter for that one. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for listening to the show, as always. And like I said, go support us. Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. And by the way, leave us uh, a good review on a bunch of different outlets right now. And I'm, I'm looking this up last minute here, guys, so, so bear with me. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which is very helpful. If you're listening to this on your phone, just scroll down. You're not going to have to scroll through 120 episodes. It eventually will take you to um, the uh, review section. Leave us like a five-star, four-star, one-star. Be like, this guy talks too much. I don't care. Leave us a review because uh, it helps us on the algorithm, right? It helps more people listen to the show. Leave multiple reviews. You know what? Fuck it. Leave a review every time you listen to an episode and you like it. How's that? So if you like this one, let me know. That's how I want to hear your responses for these. Leave me a review there. Or I just signed up for our stuff on Podchaser. Now, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but supposedly Podchaser is going to be the IMDb of podcasts. There needs to be something out there because it's so hard to get people uh, to really, like there, there needs to be a centralized location for podcasts that really does. Um, but if you go to Podchaser, I think it's podchaser.com, you'll find us on there. Leave us some reviews there as well. Now, why is this helpful? Well, anytime anybody Google searches us, the more articles, the more stuff that happens, the better we are. It helps me with our sponsorships. It also helps get listeners. At the end of the day, we need listeners, right? And so far, you guys have been killing it. How many of you guys have told your friends about this show? I hope you have, because every time you do that, my guest list gets better. I promise you that I will get better guests if you get five of your friends to listen to the show. That's it. That's me begging. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, more stuff on the way. I'll see you next Tuesday.